Hello and welcome to White Centipede Noise Podcast. I'm Oscar Brummel, and today my guest is William Hudson of the hip-hop and noise-oriented group Clipping, as well as solo noise projects Rail and Tattered Syntax. Clipping is touring Europe this fall, starting November 11th in Utrecht, Netherlands, so be sure to check them out if you're in Europe. If you're a fan of this show, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash noise. Not only do you help support this show, but you get access to some really great exclusive WCN-TV content. Last week, I aired a second follow-up interview with Sam McKinley of The Rita on the After Blast series, a two-and-a-half-hour conversation that you can hear on the Patreon. There are a lot of other great benefits of supporting via Patreon, including the Maniac Circle Discord server. An extra special thank you to the heavy sponsors of the podcast, Christoph Ruschak, John Ingram, Tony Stovic, Dries Bernhardt, DF, and those who wish to remain anonymous. Head over to patreon.com slash noise to see more and support this show. It's clipping, bitch. What do they need? Powder weed or Adderall let them in slow. Settling me. Cali in the when they step in the doze and seeing all the hoes. Cutting coke in the kitchen and cooking over the stove. Ain't wearing none of their clothes and it's closed and it go like that. Never want to have to show the strap, but you got one and it got drums that hold hundreds of bills old and crumbling. Real soldiers humbling, huddling around the heaters, competing for millimeters like who cocked the biggest what you got significant. Locked and loaded on patrolling peyote hallucinating the realest shit going on with the homies. The only way to get over is catch a weight up and pray over all of the bodies of water walking killers that's hiding beside the fact of the matter. The guts will splatter at will. Every bunny in the jungle know it's killer be killed. Come get it. William, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me and talk with me. Yeah, thank you. It's good to meet you, Oscar. Excellent to meet you, too. And before I start asking you questions about all the different stuff that you do, um, can you just kind of introduce what you do from your words? Because I had a kind of a double take moment at some point where I became aware I was I was I was a fan of rail and I knew about rail back in my early noise days. And then, mm-hmm. then I knew about clipping when clipping kind of emerged. And I, it took me a th- several years before I realized that you were both guys yeah. and it was kind of like, Whoa, that's the dude from rail and tattered syntax doing like, he's in cl- so, so can you tell for people who maybe not know one or the other, they maybe they know you from clipping or they know you from, from your noise, strictly noise works, um, what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I wish I had a better answer or like a, a like a more pat answer for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've I've done stuff in a lot of different areas. Uh, you know, clipping really started because um, I was doing you know noise and uh, like experimental music and um, uh, like doing a lot of like free improvisation, electronic, electroacoustic stuff. And, uh, and, you know, it, Jonathan, the other guy in, in, in clipping, he was, you know, he had a band, like an electronic band that was like a pop music break core thing called mm-hmm. Captain Ahab. And we were living together. And then David was a rapper. Uh, and, you know, we were all just going to each other's shows and, um, 
it was a really sort of diverse, weird scene in L.A. Uh, around then where, uh, you know, around like there were certain venues that were like only one type of thing. And then there was something like The Smell, where shows were really multi-genre. Um, and so we we started sort of we decided to combine all these things into one thing. Uh, or at least our three. It was. It, it largely had to do with maybe a conversation between me and Jonathan, who had lived together for years, um, and were, you know, in related areas of music, but really not um, the same scene necessarily, or like thought of. If you're not in LA, you wouldn't necessarily know these two artists were like living together. Sure. You know, they were like roommates and best friends, because uh, like they were very different types of music. Um, yeah. But. But we also we just sort of decided we should we wanted to like travel more together. We were like, well, we should we should I think it'd be really like we'd get along really well on tour. It'd be really fun. We like the same shit. We like food and beer and going to want to go and see the world. Uh, like, what can we do? Like, what? how can we figure out what we do together? Um, and then so we started just messing around with like um, we would take like rap acapellas from from like 12 inches when they used to make those and they would have acapellas on them and then replace the beats with like, just, just like noise influenced industrial stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then David I've known since I was like in third grade he's just been my best friend forever. Uh, and he heard some of those remix we, remixes we did and he just said, can I rap on these? Like, I think we can make a, we can make a project out of this. Cool. So, so yeah, it was all these, I was like, very much I was very active in like the noise scene like I was I had a label I like now defunct I had a terrible label that I was the music was great but I was the worst guy to ever run a label I was just like so I'm so disorganized and like never got to the post office on time um I apologize to anyone whose music I put out uh during those days (laughs) it's pretty bleak uh great records though um yeah for sure and then I, uh, yeah, yeah. So we, I was, I was, we were all doing stuff for like, we were all like 10 years into making music and releasing it when yeah. we formed. So we all have sort of long prehistories to clipping that are very not clipping. They're <laughs> like yeah. not at all like what clipping turned out to be. When you were starting with the, like the remixes with the acapellas, was that, did you have something in mind like this will go somewhere and be something that we will perform or was this, did, did you envision anything of what was going to come? No, Jonathan always tells the story. So there was, I did this, I had like a, a sort of, a, this is, I, ha, I had, uh, there was a, there's a guy, Kyle Madsen, who is uh, very much a fixture in like LA weirdo music. And he and I, had done a couple of shows and tapes as, oh, I always hated this name. It was called Beach Balls, uh, which was actually uh, given to us at our first show because we didn't have a name. Um, John from Health was like, you guys are called Beach Balls. And we're like, ah, oh, shit. And then it stuck. Um, but it was like, it was like sort of silly beats. It would be like, the idea was, you know, like, a pedestrian deposit or, you know, there was all these uh, like pedestrian deposit and oscillating innards and Tourette and people like that were doing the sort of ambient into harsh noise yep. and like cutting between them. And we were doing that, but just with like 
dumb remixes of pop songs we'd made, mm-hmm. right? So it would be like, you know, harsh noise, and then like kind of a DJ set for like with like pop rap stuff. Uh, and I made this one track uh, that that Jonathan really really liked, where it was the the acapella to the whisper song by uh, the Yin Yang Twins. Twins. And the I had replaced the beat to it. I made it like 17 minutes long. And at the end of the rapping only came in at the very end, but it was this long, like sample based and electronic based, like uh, sort of parody of like lowercase music, like sort of, I don't know if you remember, this was a, a thing at the time. It was like Richard Chartier and like, uh, there was a line was the label. It was like ultra, ultra quiet, clicky digital uh-huh. music, like just, just, near silence right yeah. Um, yeah yeah who was the trent wasso trent wasso was the was the one of the labels um what was his name oh man I, it's but there was this sort of phenomenon of this like ultra ultra quiet uh, uh steve roden also this like incredibly quiet clicky um digital music so it was okay. this all this barely there track of just like the just the, the faintest popping of of mixer feedback mm-hmm. and then after 17 minutes of this the joke was that the whisper song they started whispering this <laughs> filthy rap over the top of it and so that's when jonathan was like oh you should we should just do that um as a project the two of us uh-huh. so we started replacing beats and there would be we you know i think we did like a ugk song Mm-hmm. And uh, God, I don't even remember. Um, just whatever, like twelve inches we had sitting around, and we would just—they'd each be sort of a different vibe of 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 industrial. Uh, yeah, were they were they also kind of done in a humorous humorous I, way? I, you know, no, I think I think we thought we were funny, but we wanted to keep a very straight face, mm-hmm. right? Like we didn't want to let on that we thought we were funny. Um, but we thought it was hilarious, but we also wanted to be good. And like, this is a good idea, but there is something just deeply absurd about doing that. So it would make us giggle, but we would play it live and play it fully straight. And like, you know, we were not, this was not, we were were serious, but we knew it it was vaguely humorous. (laughs) So then how did it become, yeah, so you you explained, you know, with David, he was like, I should be part of this. So where to go from there? Yeah, we made one track with him, and then we did a show at at Pear Space that was me and Jonathan doing the doing the remixes. We did like five or six. We played like five or six remixes, um, and then David came on stage. On stage, it's just like a room. He stood oh. there with us. You know, I mean. Uh, <laughs> He stood there with us and he rapped the one original we had written. And then like no one had really liked what Jonathan and I were doing. Like none of our friends thought it was like cool. <laughs> um, yeah. But then people saw that show and they were like, oh, this is your you, the three of you. This is the band. And we were like, oh, yeah. shit, you're right. This is this is what it is. Fuck these other things. Yeah. Cool. So the. I mean, the early recordings that I'm familiar with, maybe there's earlier, but I mean, the early recordings that I'm familiar with have like really, really strong elements of not just like industrial or kind of like hard stuff, but like, like straight harsh noise as, as we know it from the genre, like, you know, yeah, like, like 
bursts of of cracking feedback and a lot of songs built around that yeah yeah i think that also came about like that we i think we leaned heavily into that like the, the intro you know is just like fast rapping alternating with just like blasts of cut up noise um yeah. and we uh i don't i don't know if this makes me sound fucking petulant or whatever but we we'd been like playing around uh la and we had had we'd made like five or six songs that weren't out but we had like passed them around to people mm -hmm. and then um ex-military by death grips came out and everyone was like yo this is the same thing you guys are doing this is like noise rap and i was like uh-huh <laughs> it's cool it's cool it's very good i really like it it is neither noise nor rap in my opinion it's like a really good rap influenced punk band yeah uh, i think they're excellent and that's the last i ever listened to them because i was like i don't people compared us to them so much i've managed to never hear them again because i was like i don't want any influence yeah. i don't want to even be able to say you can accuse me of anything right. but like the intro to mid city was i was like oh this is what rapping is and this is what noise is so i was like here are the two things that i think yeah. are actually missing from what you guys are calling noise rap this is harsh noise this is what it sounds like yeah. this is rap this is technically difficult fast rapping this is yeah. rapping with like a history of rap like this fits in a lineage this is like right this is not this is not like yeah exactly it's not like i, I mean i sound I, I sound like an asshole and i sound like i'm being dismissive but it's like there's a there's a certain David comes with a certain set of skills and a certain history right. that I wanted to show off. Yeah. I wanted, this is a, this is a rapper, <laughs> you know, he's a real ass rapper. For sure. And how do you classify the band then, then and now? I mean, do you care to give it some sort of like specific genre or do you, do you classify it as one or the, one thing or the other? It's it, it's definitely changed a lot. I mean, we, we we talk about this all the time because when we first when we made Mid City, we were all more involved in our other projects, right? Mm -hmm. And we did not think this was we thought this was going to be a bizarre like side project for the three of us. We did not know it was going to be the thing that we were going to focus on, so it could be incredibly limited, right? Like in the way that when you have a side project and you also have these other like. Uh, places to express yourself you can say these are the damn rules we're sticking to them because this project is is really narrow right. right so so and as but as we started having more fun and like really putting more i think into it a lot of those rules got broken i mean it used to be there were like no no actual drum sounds like no sounds of a drum no drum machines no real drums right all all noises no nothing no, no melodic content like pitched things, but they had to be noise elements. There were no melodies, right? And I, we eventually, I think even by the end of making Mid-City, we'd given up a lot. Of, we'd broken a lot of those rules and given up on that. But by the time we were like, you know, we signed to a record label and all that, we were like, no, this is our band now. Then we needed to expand it so that we could do more things and feel like more of our, like it was more of ourselves were uh, in the project and we could, you know, expand it to fit all the ideas and all the things we wanted to do. Yeah. Did you have an audience in mind when you're making that earliest music? No, nobody, like, like I said, like nobody really, 
nobody liked us. <laughs> like even our friends, we were so used to, we were so used to our friends kind of liking our own music. Right. Um, like, and, uh, you know, David coming from rap, like underground rap, and he was like playing with like a full ass, like live jazz band, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then I was just making, you know, noise drone experimental stuff. And like, you know, the harsh noise scene in LA, uh, was not thrilled about like a rap project that seemed to be sort of like, uh, bastardizing and biting their sounds. Um, and then Jonathan coming from like weirdo, like pop rock, multi-genre stuff. Like they didn't understand either or the other. I mean, pe- that maybe Jonathan's audience was more receptive mm-hmm. to clipping than either mine or Tommy's. Um, I feel like we've been around long enough. We stuck around that like, but I've still accepted that like my like, you know, true believer, harsh noise friends are always going to think clipping is, uh, you know, not, not the, yeah, not, not, not pure, a little tacky, a little corny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I guess I have a question about, it's a really like general stupid question, but like, you know, I guess in the beginning you had your remix kind of experiments that were kind of, you know, um, somewhat fun or humorous kind of idea of ma- like combination of, of things, but obviously clipping isn't now and you're, you're using noise and experimental sounds, not just noise, but lots of experimental sounds um, in a hip hop context. Um, this is a very open-ended question, but like, why are you, why did you choose to use combined noise and hip hop? And like, what, what does it serve now? At least I, mean, yeah. I understand why you maybe chose in the beginning, but what does it serve now? Yeah. Well, I think, I think there's, there's one simple reason, which is just, that's what my, that's what my background was. That's what I could do. Those, that's the, those were the skills I could actually bring, you know, um, I started really before I was even making music, jo- Jonathan had been making music his whole life. But before I was even making music, I was uh, a th- I was trained in theater sound design, like mm. sound design plays, which is in a way basically. I mean, if you're if you're interesting and good at it, it's not super far away from you know composing music concrete right. or something like that, right? You're making uh, you know recordings, editing them together. Um, and so like those skills, I wasn't ever trained as a musician. I had like, you know, I took like two years of guitar lessons in high school. And when my guitar teacher left his pedal board at my house for a week to see, to, to like, see like, why don't you experiment with this? You don't have any pedals. I immediately put the guitar down and plugged the input into the output and thought I had invented something, right? Like I thought I'd discover noise uh yeah. and no one else ever had uh obviously um <laughs> i had just done something incredibly simple that everyone does no, everyone does but uh and then i never touched the guitar again um yeah so, so my training was theater sound design which was like you know field recording pro tools editing that mm-hmm. kind of stuff mm-hmm. um 
So the simple reason is like, that's all I could offer, right? It wasn't necessarily like, this is what rap music needs right now. It was more like, that's all I can do. And we started this rap group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other hand, I, I, I also think that what we were doing wasn't at all, wasn't that new. I mean, I also, it didn't occur to me until we started doing it, but we weren't doing something um, that wasn't a part of hip hop before. I think, uh, like, obviously you can point to like Public Enemy, Bomb Squad beats, yeah. right? Are, are collages of all sorts of different sounds. They're incredibly harsh. They're incredibly aggressive. Yeah. Um, and, and even, you know, just right before us, you know, something like dialect where we're like doing right. noise rap, experimental rap. And I think Blackie, um, he started a little bit before us, so we didn't I wasn't aware of him until we already we were already a band. Um, so we weren't. I don't think it was, you know, I don't like to say that there was anything particularly innovative about that combination. I like to say that there we were just participating in something that has uh, a deep history to it already. Right. And what about your decisions to like, like some of your stuff, well, even some of your early stuff has sampled specific, like pretty well-known iconic noise <laughs> or polytronics tracks. And, you know, you continue to work with other artists within the field that have, you know, names that are recognized. Is that, is that maybe part of the, was that a conscious decision to like kind of also, okay, we're tying it also in with this legacy or this culture. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I mean, certainly we, we want, we want to point to that and we want to point to, you know, our history with that. Um, you know, that also came with, I, in, in beach balls, I had done a lot of, um, I would, I would lay hip hop acapellas over like classic, noise and industrial tracks anyway there's like i i I like laid a little wayne verse over uh black vomit by wolf eyes for a live show once and i did like a whole remix of um an e40 song over uh a skinny puppy track and stuff like that and and there were i always had this idea of like using that um using using noise and power electronics as uh, something to sample in the way that, like, you know, I mean, rap music starts, you know, the early days of rap are making new records out of the records around your house, right? right? And what I had sitting around was not necessarily old soul records. I had Death Pile, you know? Right. So, yeah. so... It was it was an attempt to adapt that idea of early hip hop and where that sampling culture came from yeah. to something that was also honest to me and and like my history and my background and my taste, you know. For sure. Um, do you think that sometimes the term noise is problematic in the sense that it puts people off of hearing? certain sounds just for what they are as sounds. Cause you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like you said, um, bomb squad, we're using noisy elements. Even I think of like the Neptunes, like yeah. they're not noisy, but they have like, you know, white noise 
they had, some of the tracks are really minimal and using sounds that could be found in experimental music. But, oh, you know, it's, but yeah. it's never just, it's never, it's never been like those terminologies have never been used within that. And it's like the biggest pop music in the world. Yeah. Do you think sometimes that, that terminology puts people off directly and like that maybe there's much more receptiveness to noise possible? Yeah. Well, I do think, I, I think especially now, I think rap music production and as a result, because rap music is like the biggest global music, like pop music production has gotten so much weirder and we expect and accept much uh, like much more distinct and unique timbral choices uh, in like big pop songs than maybe we did in previous decades. I mean, there's a lot of sound design that is a part of music production now right. in a way that is like really exciting. I, you know, just like like huge pop stars like 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 Charlie XCX or something are working with just some of the most brutal sounds occasionally, you know, yeah. just insanity, right? Yeah. And that's that's massive pop music on a global scale. So I think and I think hip hop has a ton to do with that because of its electronic nature and its sample based nature, right? I mean, that and, you know, anything that was being made with electronic electronic instruments from the 60s onward it slowly seeped into the world where like i mean i i don't know growing up i couldn't even imagine that like pop music would have the level of electronic sound design that it does now right you know and so i think when we say noise we are really pointing to a history and a lineage and a culture um, but also not, I think there is noisy stuff that has permeated that maybe, you know, it doesn't have any connection to that culture anymore. It doesn't have any connection or ever did. Right. It's, right. it's, you know, I think it's more like through hip hop that has seeped into through hip hop and through, you know, like new wave and shit like that. And industrial, um, has seeped into, uh, into popular culture um, in a way that resembles elements of noise, for sure. Yeah. What What is the group's production, writing, recording process in this in the current phase? Um, I mean, it's it's. It's all over the place. Uh, a lot of it is, I mean, we, we basically make almost everything in Jonathan's studio in his house. Um, so I don't, I, I don't live in, I, I moved out of LA for during quarantine. So I'm up in Northern California right now. Okay. Um, so I have to go down there to work on beats or I'll, I'll put together something, uh, you know, on the computer and with the idea that like, we're going to replace every sound, but here's the idea yeah. with like some, with some, you know, soft synths. Um, uh, a lot of the tracks start, we usually say like Jonathan's the really, Jonathan's the musical one really. Um, so it's like Jonathan will have like a music idea or a sound idea for something and I will use my ideas are usually like a big picture, 
like, okay, it's this type of a song and I'll, you know, play them like 10 songs in the, in the, in the vibe that I'm thinking of. I'm like, but this sound is going to be replaced by this and this sound's going to be replaced by this. And imagine it's got a melody like this and David, you're going to write something about this. You know, that's sort of how a lot of my tracks, like how, how, if a track started with an idea of mine, it's usually something like that. Um, but yeah, so, but, but we, yeah, we, we often work, we try to work by Jonathan and I'll get a little bit ahead of David. We'll make a bunch of beats and then he'll come over. He goes upstairs and listens to one and writes to it while we make another one. He records, then we work on that one. So he's like above us listening to things we've already made while we're making new stuff in the studio. And we try yeah. to just like bang out a bunch of things because it's hard to get all three of us together now. So we try to do like sure. a, a couple songs in a day, you know, when we can have like three or four days together in the studio. And what are the other members? Um like relationships to experimental music or like, like noisy, like no, like straight noise. I mean, I, yeah. I know you mentioned you and Jonathan kind of had a, some projects together and like we're involved, but like, like how does David, what I knew you guys were going to each other's shows. Is he like a fan of that stuff? Jonathan? Yeah. Jonathan's always liked noise. He's definitely more, he was like a more beat oriented. Like he, you know, in high school, he was like trying to make IDM and sound like Autiker, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Uh, he's done some noise things, but he was not, he's never tr tried, to, he's never really done just like straight ahead harsh noise. Mm -hmm. Um, he was, yeah, he, but, but he's also done a lot of what, you know, would be more like electroacoustic or, or music concrete stuff. Cause he's a, he's really, really, um, he's a really accomplished field recordist. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he does a lot of he travels a lot to record. Um, and so he'll do, uh, it's definitely more in the realm of like field recording music concrete, um, stuff like that. But he's, he's also, yeah, if you go to his band camp page, he's like super accomplished in that, in that stuff. But, cool. um, but yeah, but I, you know, I, at that, I was doing like, like he was doing like beat, stuff and like songwriting and I was doing like free improv and harsh noise when we were like roommates in college. Yeah. And how does David fit in that, that mix? David would just, David would come to, to shows cause you know, he's a, he's a loyal and supportive friend. Um, but no, he would, he, you know, he dug it. He would always, you know, we, we would talk, we talked about it for years before clipping would start. He would be like, Oh man, that's so crazy that you, you you and your friends are doing this weird ass shit. Like let's that, that I, I could use some of that, like come do it. So we like made yeah. some beats for him before clipping started. We made a couple Jonathan and I made a couple of like weird, not less weird than clipping, but like still probably weirder than what he was used to beats for him in the yeah. old days. Um, you know, like Oh four, Oh five, Oh six kind of days. Like when we were like still in college. Um, but yeah, he would come to shows. I mean, David's been to, you know, David's been to to Terminal in Oakland, the Ryan Jenks's place. He's been, sure. been to. Well, there used to be uh, John Benson had a bus in in uh, Oakland and San Francisco, which was like an old AC Transit bus with 
that we would do shows on, you'd just like find out where it was parked for the night and there'd be like a harsh noise show inside the bus under yeah. like an overpass. Nice. Uh, he would come to those with me. Ha, has there ever been, have you ever felt like a need or not a need, but I mean, Clipping's a big band. Like they're, you guys are very big at this point. And, you know, like really, I mean, um, do you ever feel any sort of like self not self-consciousness but like any sort of pressure to to tone things down or t pressure to do things in a certain direction or or no, any desire I, to like use that platform to do something like expose something n well no i mean the thing is is we're we're doing okay <laughs> you know uh it, i i see what you mean that we're like you know we're not a a completely unknown band, but we're not uh, big enough that any of us feel any pressure. And we've only gotten where we've gotten by not feeling any pressure except between the three of us, right? right? We just, we don't know how to write for an audience. And I don't know that if we tried, we, we would succeed at anything. What right. we can do and what we know has worked so far is that we just make what we want to make and hope it connects with someone else. You know, we, we, you know, we talk about like politics in our music and sometimes that's important to us to have like uh, a, 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 a sort of a position, a political right. position behind what we're doing. But we don't, um, I don't think there's any sort of attempt at we don't make any sonic choices to get more famous. I think we sure. we make the sonic choices because that that's what we feel like doing and that's what we're excited by because yeah. we've like sometimes we we can't even tell. I mean, we didn't expect this to go anywhere and then at the same time like sometimes it's you know, the song people like from a record is not the one we thought they would. So we're like it'll be a super weird one and we're like okay, well we couldn't even predict that. So we couldn't, right. we can't manufacture that because we couldn't have predicted this. Right. What's the, you guys have a lot of features too with like other, well, noise artists, experimental artists, but rappers as well. And some really big name rappers in the hip hop world. I mean, Gangsta Boo was on, you know, an older, not an older, but yeah. you know, mid city, I think, or on clipping. It was on the second um, one. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, also the recent, chat. We have two, three, six. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And you know, I think the craziest example to me is that the single you guys put out a couple of years ago with, um, with Benny the Butcher, El Camino, and the Rita. And <laughs> you know, like Benny the Butcher is, well, he's first of all he's fantastic. He's amazing, but he's like getting really, really big now. I mean, the past couple yeah. of years he's like becoming like you know superstar status. And you know, you put him on the track with the Rita. Does she? What's that? What's the? Well, first of all, what's the what's the working process usually like with with collaborators? Like, is it like an actual go in the studio kind of thing, or is it kind of like send a verse kind of thing? Yeah, we. I mean, we we he he sent the verse back, but we did meet. Okay, this is that 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 track is entirely Ted Burns's fault, um, because Ted and I, for some reason, there was some reason we were. Uh, dropping by this studio that El Camino and Benny and DJ Shea, who passed away, who was wow. like making beats for them, were all working. 
And I think like Ted was like, because Ted had messaged, like he was getting like a, a like some t-shirt, like a rare piece of merch that they had yeah. with them. They were like, yo, come by the studio. Yeah. And then we went by the studio, hung out for a little bit, talked with them. And Ted was like, yo, man, ask Benny to get on a song. Ask Benny to get on a song. Wow. And I was like, so <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you think about rapping on a song? And he was like, I don't, I don't, I got to hear the beat. Send me a beat. So, so, uh, I went straight over to Jonathan's and we made that beat in like four hours specifically for that and sent it to them. And they were both like, yeah, I like this. This is tight. Uh, and so we, and so David rapped on it first so that they could sort of hear what like the, the vibe of the lyrics yeah. was going to, were going to be. And then I think once, once we had their verses, Ted and I were probably pretty drunk on his porch, like a couple months later. And he was like, yo man, you know, it'd be cool. What if Sam was on that song too? <laughs> I was like, that's the that's the most insane idea. So I so that's when I, I pitched the idea that what well what if David writes another verse, a new verse with new lyrics, and that Sam just destroys it so you never even hear what the words are. Yeah. And 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 Sam I I was blown away that Sam was willing to do that. And that, I mean, I've known him for I, I don't know him super well, but I've known him at this point for like fifteen years. So right. like he was he was very generous with that. And yeah, it was just like Damn, we have like the cultist song. It's like it's got Benny the Butcher and the Rita on it. Is a is a pretty outrageous. That still makes me laugh. And you know, we're working with noise art. Like, we would have done more of that earlier. I think I was a little bit, uh, I was a little bit cowardly in the early days to ever ask noise artists to work with me because I was afraid everyone thought, you know, I, I was afraid they didn't like rap music. Uh -huh. Right. So I like so eventually ending up getting to work with like sickness and right. pedestrian deposit and, and the Rita that was like finally it was it's one thing to ask Death Pile to sample a record or ask White House to sample a record because right. they don't have to do anything. Right. You know, that that didn't feel that that wasn't as scary to me to ask. Um, but but it was. um but asking people to actually collaborate was was scary. And now I'm less nervous about it, but also, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, you're part of that you're part of that world though, also. I mean Yeah, they're I mean they're all people. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean pedestrian deposit. I've known John Borges for twenty one years now. He's been one of my right. closest friends and right. you know for forever. And uh and, and Shannon from Pedestrian Deposit, obviously. I introduced them. <laughs> wow. That's cool. That's awesome. <laughs> well, um, this is a cute story. I can tell yeah. it. Yeah. Not a bad story. No, it's yeah. fine. I think it's good. Uh, uh, Shannon was like one of my best friends in college. She was, uh, she was getting her MFA in theater scenic design mm -hmm. while I was an undergrad. And we would just go to shows together like twice a week. Um, mm -hmm. And we would... Uh, and Borges and I were friends and, you know, I think he'd, brought, he'd already put out a tape by me and, and, and we would right. do shows together. Sometimes we would hang out all the time, but he started getting me on like every show he would play. 
it was like five in a row. I was like, he would like, he would be like, Bill's got to play the show if I'm going to do it. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Turns out he was like, if Bill plays that cute girl, I have a crush on will show up to the show and I get to talk to her. And so finally I was like, dude, you don't have to book me on shows. You can, she thinks you're hot. Get her number. The next time. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's very clever. And that's, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, when that, when that happens, when you see that that's the, that's the move, you have to take it. So, well, yeah. and, and now, you know, now they're, now they're just this amazing legendary band too. Exactly. So. Exactly. I, I, I hope they think it's a cute story and that I'm not being a dick for selling this oh, personal story about them. <laughs> very, very cute. It's, it's more than cute. It's, it's, it's very, it's very cool. It's very exciting. Um, back to like, okay. So back to this track, like with Benny the Butcher, for example, Oh yeah. does he then, or, or, you know, when you work with, with rappers like him, I mean, I guess, <clears throat> do they then like go back and like, do you ever hear feedback from them? Like they go back and listen to the record? Like, do you ever talk to them about it? Or, I mean, you know, I'm sure they didn't, they didn't know, them, yeah. they didn't know him, that the reader was going to blow the whole end of the song out. I'm sure. Yeah. We, uh, we sent it to him uh, and got his approval. I haven't, you know, this was, uh, we managed to get in there with him like less than a month before he signed with rock nation, you know? So I don't know that this could have, it would have played out the same way if he was, you know, managed by, you know, the biggest rap management whatever yeah uh uh but i mean i don't know he retweeted it he posted it on his instagram story so like <laughs> that's super cool <laughs> yeah that's I, I had zero contact since then and he gave us a fucking he gave us a great verse i mean he's also one of these yeah. dudes so like he's not gonna he's you know he's not gonna phone it in he's not gonna he's not gonna sound bad on someone else's song like he doesn't have bad verses i mean he's <laughs> no, he's really no, one he's, of the best I think, lyricists of the of the current moment. I mean, that's 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 super sick song. I mean, it has everything has everything you need on it. It's like it is like a it's like a legendary collaboration. Yeah. Um, do you think clipping has been a gateway for any people into like from rap or or? Yeah, from hip hop, I guess, into like harsh noise or or more experimental so. music. I hope so. I definitely, I've definitely heard people say that. I, you know, I mean, I it's it's hard to tell. I don't, you know. I feel like, <laughs> you know, this the. Well, you you can you can hold people's hands and bring them in a little bit, but you know every time I I tweet about like a, a noise record or something that I'm into, it gets like four likes. So yeah. you know, but you know, so I I don't know if anyone's really I can't I I bet there's not like a like a serious harsh noise purist. Uh, who got into noise through clipping, you know, I don't think there's like, I don't think there's someone, you know, releasing tapes on new forces who, who only learned about noise through clipping. But I do think, I, I think there's gotta be, a, there's gotta be at least one or two, I think. Maybe in 10 more years, maybe like if, cause if we're getting to someone when they're like eight or nine, that, that might be how they end up there. But like, um, but yeah, maybe, maybe one day, 
but but no, we definitely have. I mean, we have a really diverse like. So the uh, there's a there's a. I guess it's official because we've like gone on it a little bit. It can be official. There's like a clipping fan discord um, and they've like organized multiple compilations of like people who hang out on that and then released on Bandcamp compilations of their music. And it's not hip hop. Like it's all sorts of stuff, right? Yeah. Some of them are fucking noisy as hell. So it's like some people are at least involved. Um, yeah. Like it's they're, they're, they're doing really like weird, interesting electronic stuff. That's cool. I think it's just cool. I mean, I think it's just awesome to bring that into the collective consciousness. I mean, you guys are making super sick hip hop music and it is hip hop music. It's like, it's not like you listen to it and you're like, what is this? But like, it has this, this edge and this element, but it's like I said, I think, I think a lot of times the, the noise, the term noise is what kind of puts people into, okay, now this is noise. I have to interpret it like as dark or scary or abrasive whereas but but i do like that you guys also rep noise with it like you put the rita on a record you sample these certain artists you know you make sure that that's also part of it i think that's really bringing i'm sure it's even if people aren't becoming diehard fans of it just bringing it into the sort of yeah i mean and i and i want to talk about it all the time you know like i want to talk about noise all the time you know, I mean, I spent, you know, nine years writing for The Wire trying to write about as much noise as I could, you know. Yeah, so that's right. I, I do. It, it, it's 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 always going to be um, a, a, a thing for me. So um, I hope I hope I hope some people listen. I hope some people, <laughs> you know, this is this is this is weird because like your audience, right, your audience are like noise fans that's not who i'm usually talking to on on things like this like right uh, I, f- I feel like i gotta convince your your viewership to, <laughs> to that like <laughs> you know the e40 is really interesting well exactly and i think and i think i think that's the other thing i mean I th- uh, of course hip-hop is like you said it's like the biggest global music right now in the world it's like the biggest pop music in the world and hip-hop culture is like international you know, American culture gone, gone global, which is awesome. But I still think there's a lot of people that don't get it or don't follow it or whatever. Um, so I do think that, and, and, and I do know for a fact that clipping is for some people like their kind of introduction to like listening to hip hop more seriously. Yeah. We definitely, definitely used to get, yeah, we used to get, this always like kind of bothered me, but I always got it. Like in the very early days, right? We'd get we'd get people at our shows who were like, "Yo, I love you guys. I fucking hate Nicki Minaj. I fucking hate Gucci Mane. I fucking hate Lil Wayne. You guys are the shit." And we're like, "No, no, 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 no. Like we're not the alternative to that. We like right. I like yeah. Gucci Mane so yeah. much." Like, yeah. But like, there's you know you get this sort of reaction formation of like, yeah, "Oh, yeah, the yeah. noisy version is for me," because the people I didn't like in high school liked Nicki Minaj or something, you know? So yeah. it's like, but so we're, I, I get that. And that's totally valid. That's true. You can absolutely like us that way. I'm happy to, you know, I'm happy that people do. And I'm happy that people that uh, don't like other rap music find something in our music. That's great. But at the same time, I never want to position ourselves as like against anything. Like we, I, I want to say that like, we're not, we're part of rap. Like we're not doing we're not doing this because we hate rap. We don't, we right. don't make noisy rap because we hate other rappers. We fucking love all rap. 
Yeah, exactly. That yeah, that's that's important too because you know, I think you get that too with that. Yeah, I, I when I was younger, I was also really into kind of the more like underground. I don't know. It wasn't used at the term now. Underground can mean anything now, I guess. But I, mean, I guess now sometimes it's called backpack rap or something like that. But I was into like a lot of like like Minneapolis-based stuff where I'm from and, and, and stuff like that, like rhyme stairs and stuff like that. And I always, you know, kind of had this, I kind of had this attitude, but I heard it more from also other people like, yeah, this is real rap. Like this is, this is the real rap. Like that fake, this is, there's all that fake hip hop going on. This is the real shit. And it's like, and I've come, I've totally come around with that. It's like, no, I mean, that's, it's legit too. I mean, it's good. It's good. It's real hip hop too, but it's like, this is like mostly like 99% like white people doing their kind of like, artistic spin on rap cool but like i really hate when people yeah try to knock you you have to realize rap is black music rap is from the streets rap is what the streets listen to you know whatever the streets are on that is what is the truth you know what i'm saying it's like and it and it and it and it i think it's changed a lot i think that's that 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 is an attitude that was like my high school too that was like my high school years growing up in the bay it was like there was the like the, the serious artistic rap, which, you know, there was so much. They had such a chip on their shoulder about what was and wasn't popular. Like, right. Like, I mean, it's it's not I love this album, but but, you know, the, the sort of history of it is like Stakes is High by De La Soul. Right. Was so, which was such like a flag pointed in the ground. And it's like, you know, there's a line drawn. It's like you're on this side or this side. You are gangster or right. you are intelligent, lyrical, whatever, right. which was just nonsense. And like, I think it was helpful for me growing up where I where I did because it was such a small regional scene that we had hieroglyphics living legends yep. hobo junction quantum projects soul sides whatever uh so we had all these like uh we had the lyrical backpack or whatever stuff and it was fucking brilliant yeah. and it, it was we were on but we were on they were all on top of each other we also had e40 and too right. short and kick yeah. the sneak and Aunt banks yeah. and richie rich and it was such a small regional scene. It felt so stupid to make these distinctions because yeah. it's like, and so I always thought instead of the us versus them for me growing up was not, was not like gangster versus backpack or whatever. It was the Bay versus the like the the the, the stranglehold New York and LA have right. on the rap scene. So it was like I I I was I loved the Bay. I loved being from the Bay. I loved the like that regionalness to the music and yeah. you know like that we had songs that everyone in the Bay knew. But if you step two feet out of it, no one had ever heard of it. Right. But everyone like you know just like. 10 year old white kids know all the words to a Mac Dre song, but you go to LA and no one even knows who Mac Dre is. Right. And, and so I I loved that. And I, we, I definitely like, we felt this, I think the Bay always like, there was this kinship, you know, I got really, really into Southern rap as, as well, because, you know, before outcast really, um, the South felt like the same thing. It was these sort of like 
these other markets that didn't right. have a national presence. Yeah. Um, and so, so instead, yeah. So, I, the, so the the backpack, the conscious versus gangster divide to me was like, no, no, no. We're in this together. The enemy are the, are these two cities. Even though I obviously I adore rap from New York and um, L.A. and I yeah. always listen to it as well. It what that was the sense of like, no, no, no. This is this this is there's this regional pride. Don't worry about you know whether they're talking about you know spirituality or guns. You know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. That's interesting, and the, I think those regional regionalities. Well, things have blown apart in terms of regionality and hip hop in many ways. I mean, it, totally. every, everyone wants to sound like the South. I mean, everyone sounds. I mean, everyone kind of sounds the same in some way. But I still well, think everyone they, sounds like the internet now. Exactly, you know? exactly, exactly. Everyone sounds like the internet. But I still think the Bay Area is still a sound that hasn't. I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like they have. I'm not a pro professional on this, but I, but I feel like the, the, the Detroit sound that's really big right now is very, very much Bay Area influence. Is that accurate? Oh yeah, I mean, the, the Detroit and Detroit and the Bay have had like a, a really strong connection. I think like the even the oh, my cat's on my lap. That's cool. <laughs> Sweet. Um, uh, even I mean, I, I think that really that that connection was really strong you know, starting like 10 years ago. And I think that like the flow of, of all these new rappers in the Bay, the sort of, um, the SOBRBE, like, like slightly ahead of the beat, like very staccato, um, style that everyone was, everyone's doing really came from like rappers from Detroit showing up in the Bay rappers in the Bay going to Detroit, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm very outside of all this. I don't know. Like, right, right, right. But you just see them on the records. Like uh, the, the the thing about I make obviously I make rap music in clipping, but every other rap music I talk about, I am so outside. I'm just a fan, right? right. Like I don't actually, um, you know, have the insider info on all of this. But you know, there was sure. you would just sort of see, um, you know, who's featured on what. You know, clearly these people were in the Bay for a couple of weeks and ended up on this, you know, all black record and this yeah. SOB record in this fucking uh shooter gang record you know like that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. um but but yeah so like uh, yeah i think i think the internet has squashed everything i mean noise used to be super regional right totally. like I think yeah. a lot of noise like you can sound like anywhere but when i was growing up it was really distinct absolutely you know like noise from Italy sounded like one thing, right. right? Noise from Japan sounded like this other thing. Yeah. Noise from the Midwest um, sounded like one thing. Midwest. Yeah. Midwest, the whole like mother savage Midwest thing was like, that was a really um, like specific sound. I mean, LA. Sound. Yeah. I mean, in LA, I feel like LA was like, I've got a lot of feelings about what a at what LA was then like known for or thought about or like where that actually came from. For like actually being in it for for so long, yeah. um, it was weird to see. You know, the early days of, you know, I was on the. Were you how you're 
I don't know how much younger than me you are. Were you how how active were you on like I Heart Noise and uh, the, I was the... very active. Well, I was I wasn't I wasn't posting on there much, but I was I was like yeah on there all day, like sitting. You know, I was I was sitting on it like all the time. So yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah. there. I think start. I think the 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 year I got really like fanatically involved was like 2006, 2007. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right on. So yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, so that was yeah. That was like. It was just interesting to see what people thought the West Coast sounded like from on the forum versus like being in it and like who they thought were the innovators and who they thought were the greats was just like it was, was it, it was fascinating. Uh, no, not not necessarily, not necessarily. I don't know. I, I have a I have a sort of a chip on my shoulder about um, about John Borges would play a show and he was so meticulous that what the material he was presenting wouldn't be on a tape for another like eight months but everyone who was at that show would rip him off and get the tape out first and i was really i would just i would get so i was just like everyone was like oh there's this whole scene of people doing these things and all these innovators and i was like no there's there's a guy and everyone steals from him. And so we all kind of sound like, I mean, I don't think anyone did it maliciously or even intentionally, but sure. I would just hear like, I was just like, oh, he, yeah, we all just look at him. We were all just like watching what he was doing. I mean, Interesting. Um, and, and, and obviously, I mean, they were really great. I think, I think what has survived from that scene at least from that, like, I'm talking, like, this small group. I mean, there was so much stuff in L.A., but this small group of, like, L.A., pedal noise, uh, you know, pure, harsh thing that became, like, oh, this is this West Coast sound. Yeah. Uh, I think what has, like, lasted, I think what the, the stuff people, like, still talk about are the actual masterpieces. I think we have gotten it right. Like, like Dreams What Dreams We Can Afford, right? The ex-Jesus, do you know this one? Yeah. 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 Or Sex Jesus or Ex Jesus. I don't remember which name he used for that one. It was on Callow God. It's like I someone was reissuing that, but like I feel like that's that's that is one of the masterpieces. They they you know that the history has borne that out that that one was the one. I think a lot of other stuff doesn't sound as unique anymore as it did to us then, but like, man, that was but it was were just you, it was a crazy. Were you aware of that dynamic at the time? Were you kind of critical of that time when you were when you were watching it, or was that kind of like an after? No, after yeah, I, I absolutely was. I absolutely was. I mean, because these were these this this was my friend group at the time, so yeah. it's like I knew the interpersonal dynamics between everyone, you know, and like right. it's definitely different. Because like I would look at other scenes, you know, like, and you don't know like. You just know the names on tapes and what they sound like and you sort of imagine but like these are actually like the people you spend all day every day with then there's a lot more sort of it's just it it, it, it all feels so much stickier <laughs> like when you actually know and i was i you know i i, I just saw this happen i mean and and i and i there obviously something like cherry point is totally outside of that right like that's not you know he was a little bit older but also like ran the label and was like 
he was he was who we all looked up to, you know. And then there were the older, slightly older, even like Damian Romero, right? Who was like, you know, ab- above all this. But like when you're 24 and there's like 10 of you all punching pedals on tables together, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, there was, there was. I mean, I, 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 everyone loved each other. We all still. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not close with a lot of those people anymore, but I still have a lot of affection for them. Uh, but we, oh, shit. I gotta turn off my Roomba before it ruins the sound. It's all good. gotta vacuum up all the cat hair anyway i, I feel like i'm rambling and i feel like i'm just no that's like fast that's super fascinating airing, super super fascinating airing weird old airing weird old grievances about uh well that no that's fascinating i mean that's really fascinating because i've i've never i've of course i'm very aware of that sound and i've I'm, of course i'm very aware of that john borges is a big part of it but i never really kind of followed that and i also kind of feel like a lot of the la well not some of the LA crew or a lot of the kind of mid two thousands crew, a lot of those guys seem to me to be very also nomadic where they were, you know, maybe living in LA for a time and like moving around quite a bit and then maybe taking that sound with them. And yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, a lot of people who were like associated with that, who, who were, who were like there at the time ended up drifting away there. The, the issue was there was only, there were only like, God, what, maybe four, three or four years of Il Corral existing, right? And that was the venue. That was why any of this coalesced into a scene, into anything, right? So sure. so Bob Bellaru opened Il Corral, I want to say like, oh, five, maybe, oh, four, maybe end of oh, four. I'm trying to think. I, 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 the first show was a, I think it was the first show they did, but I, I was the first show I went to, was like a secret after party for Wolf Eyes and where Wolf Eyes played when they were like on one of their, where they were on tour, maybe opening for Sonic Youth or something. Mm-hmm. So it was like the first time I saw them and it was the first time I'd ever been to this, like that, that space. And it was like at midnight and it was so fucking loud and there were so many people. And I didn't know, I didn't really know any of them, anyone yet. And then... And then it was like I was there every every show. But there was that. But yeah, so like I mean there there are some people, there were like people who were from LA, like the like like Jeff and his brother with the Witchers. Right. Uh, and then there was Matt Sullivan, Privy right. Seals, et cetera. Yeah. Um and then the, the haircut mountain transit guys, Kyle and Alex. Um they 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 had that they were they had a their little scene I don't know they, they they don't think they ever released anything under this name but everyone they were called men who can't love oh yeah yeah I know the name yeah I remember seeing like um, a really low res YouTube video back in the day being like fuck yeah I mean they would they would like travel together as like one thing because they because they'd each play for like two minutes so they could yeah. all fit in the size of like the the time length of one band that was yeah those were those were those were the days. <laughs> Why do you think? I mean, uh, oh, and toxic loincloth. Sorry, he was. He's he's still around. He's a fucking genius, and no one outside of LA knows him. Toxic loincloth. He's what he used to be called. His name is Cole. Uh, I don't. He's got a new name now. I don't know, but he's like this. The he's the 
He's the low key secret weapon in LA. Like no one, no one outside. I know, I know the name, but I have no idea. I, I, Old I, Miller. I yeah. It's kind of one of those names. I mean, that just you know, until you see him play live, maybe you're not always clamoring to. Yeah. Find out who no. Yeah, is. and you wouldn't know. There was. I mean, there was one. There's one tape, and it's an absolute masterpiece, and I, I wish someone would reissue it. I think it's a C5. It was called Nasal Nails and Intestinal Teeth. Uh-huh. And it's just like... He he was always the wild card, because yeah. he, like, he was like circuit-bending toys yeah. into, into harsh noise. Cool. Um, anyway. Um, so, I, I mean, all scenes and moments kind of ebb and flow and that's natural that's how it goes um is there but is there any any sort of reason that you can think of or identify that kind of that bubble of mid 2000s intensity about around noise uh dissipated i mean i think there was just i mean ill corral closing right not, not ill corral closing i guess it didn't quite close bob moved away Right. Mm -hmm. So then it wasn't the same scene. Um, you know, everyone had sort of drifted into, uh, again, uh, sort of following the lead of John Borges, everyone started doing like ambient projects. Right. That's right. very true. I mean, that's very true. I know it was a controversial, it was sort of a controversial moment when, when pedestrian deposit, well, when when Shannon joined pedestrian deposit, and yeah. you know, but it was we, but we even fans, it was great, it was great, but it was like we were all. I mean, I was young and I was kind of a meathead and I was a fan of this, you know, crushing stuff. And then you know, I remember seeing them play with as a duo the first time, and it was not that at all. And I think everyone was a little like, hmm, what's I mean? <laughs> and then, but then but then that was what everyone was doing then for a while. This is but this was right. this is. Or that, like before Shannon was even in, in Pedestrian Deposit, you know, he's he was doing like these sort of like pretty ambient loop tapes and things. And then, you know, Emaciator as well. Yeah. Yeah. Emaciator was like it got sort of pretty sometimes, but like Emaciator was more like sort of that crumbling old school. Like yeah. it was supposed to sound like something on like Come Org, you know, yeah. it was like old Rambla or something like that. Right. Uh, and it was still like grimy, you know, um, but things just got like prettier and prettier. Like um, Jeff started doing Marble Sky. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, Gordon Oscillating Innards did a bunch of really beautiful ambient projects. Yep. I mean, and, 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 you know, and it it was it was really it was true to all these guys. I mean, Borges and Gordon especially were like huge ambient fans the whole time. You know, they'd always wanted to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. That was always like what they listened to. It wasn't like I don't think it was. It wasn't. It was certainly. It was far from cynical to make these choices. They sure. just started. They just started growing and expanding and doing other things. And I remember it was on the board. Everyone was like, I mean, on on the iHeart Noise board, it was like, oh, what the fuck. All, all of the all of the toughest, <laughs> loudest dudes in LA just got so soft and pretty and melodic. <laughs> right, right. And then where did it go from there? I, I think it just like fractured. I mean, it, you know, it it didn't. I, maybe I'm just too old. Maybe I'm grown out of it. But it didn't feel after that. 
it never felt like there were that many people invested in this scene where you felt like this is where this is the center of the world in our little world right, right. you know there were there were others like you know there was a, a, another generation a couple of years behind us uh it was like wrong hole sisters yeah. yep. concrete shiva um you know the that that uh, uh kevin what was heavy psych what's his what was his project called um Drowder? Drowder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they, then they were all like vaguely around Long Beach. Am I right? Is it Drowder? Is that someone else? Am I? Am I? I be embarrassed. Know of Drowder. I don't remember if they're from LA, but I could be. Kevin. Kevin McCallany. Anyway, um, but yeah, so they they were from like Long Beach, and they they were all a little bit younger than us. And after I after it sort of felt like, you know, things had sort of dissipated then they showed up and things were more exciting for a little bit but like a lot of the original people that i came up with had moved away yeah and i was in grad school by then so like i wasn't like i couldn't pay enough i couldn't pay that close of attention i was still playing True. shows all the time but yeah. like but but there's always been this also history of you know i mean la always had you know john weiss was always there but he always was a little bit distanced from from that because he was very established. Right. He had the, the sort of art gallery cred. He was like, we. I always sort of thought he was like a little bit fancier than us. Like he wasn't like a total scumbag like us. He was sure. like, he was like, oh, that's John. Yeah. He like he tours Europe and gets <laughs> grants. Uh, he's like, he's good at this. We're all garbage. Right. Um, and then, I mean, there was always that, and, they, and the LAFMS scene, so there was always that sort of weirdo, um, yeah. that sort of weirdo psychedelic angle uh, in LA, too. But I, I think there's like a base level of what LA noise feels like, because there's always going to be the sort of stalwarts. There's always going to be, you know, a handful of people around. And then there are sort of flare-ups of excitement around harsh noise, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, that... that that time those years were so rich and so diverse also and regional like you also said what do you think people were like what do you think people were listening for at that time what do you think were the fertile grounds that that made that time so so magical i i mean like what, what how, did, how did you have it in. Having the venue to do it in with that had connections to like people coming through all the time, right? Like so, people were touring back then too. Yeah. Um. So, like Il Corral was really great because you were you had like the sort of house bands, right? You had like the people who were gonna play, you know. But it was someone would come through. You'd see like Sickness or the Rita would come yeah. through or Sword Heaven. And then you'd have, um, you know, Circuit Wound would always be playing or something right. like that. Or, you know, like these other people who were just... So you had, like, this built-in crew. And yeah. then it was also a time where, like, you know, all these people from around the country would actually show up, which yeah. I don't yeah. know if that happens as much anymore. But it was like every week you'd be like, and Venomist is playing or something, right. you know, like people from far away, Hive Mind would show up, you know? 
Totally. Um, well, let's talk about your involvement in it then. Like, how did you first get introduced to noise in this world? And how did that lead to you starting? And was Rail your first project of this sort? Uh, yeah, definitely like in noise. I think I have like one recording out before that that's like electroacoustic improvisation. Um, but that's like another sort of thing I do. I definitely got into. Um, I got into all of this. I don't know. I mean, I, I, so I had a, I had a, I had a job from like eighth grade until graduating high school. I worked at a, at a video store. I worked at like the cool video store in my town. Um, and so I had this, even though I was getting paid fucking pennies, I had enough disposable income that all I spent it on was records. Um, and you know, I it, I think, you know, go, going deeper and deeper into anything like this is like, it was like a process of, it's like accidentally stumbling across something that completely like fries your brain. Yeah. Um, which I think, I, I think like maybe when I was like 13, I, I bought Interstellar Space by John Coltrane, thinking it was going to sound like Giant Steps or Blue Train. Mm -hmm. And then it's fucking, it was just so out. And I was like, this is fraudulent. This is bullshit. This is not music. But like, I was a kid and I had all the time in the world. So I just like kept listening until I liked it, you know? And then it was just like chasing that. So I definitely like got into noise through like free jazz and then into like free improvisation, right? Like learning about like, discovering discovering Derek Bailey through his record with Anthony Braxton mm -hmm. and then you know trying to find more things that Derek Bailey is on that Evan Parker was on that you know all these type of players were on would lead me out of the jazz section at Amoeba into the 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 section that was just called unusually experimental at Amoeba yeah. record yeah and then just going through those, I mean, it's, I would just go straight to unusually experimental, grab whatever looked cool. And that means I would accidentally come home with like straight up harsh noise. Like, yeah. you know, Mersbow had a record on, uh, on John Zorn's label, Zadik. And therefore, like, I thought maybe it was going to be free jazz or yeah. something or improv because it was on Zorn's label. Then it yeah. wasn't. And I was like, yeah. fuck yeah. What yeah. is this? Yeah. More Mersbow, please. Yeah. Um, so, so that as a fan, it was just like this evolution of things that my first response was, well, this is bullshit. This isn't even music. Right. And then being like, nope, that's, but that's what I want. And then the next thing I got to find the next one. And at some point you sort of stall out on like things that can really like break your brain open like that. Um, uh, but yeah, but then you know, I'm, I'm, I moved to LA for college. Uh, I started going to, started going every week to, it started as, it started at the smell and I were, I think it was like improv Wednesdays or something. There was like an improvised music series on Wednesdays. And then it eventually moved to, uh, the Salvation Theater and got the name Line Space Line. Um, and it was where, uh, all the, like the electroacoustic and improvised music was happening. Um, and there wasn't a lot of crossover with like noise, noise. Uh, like I didn't really know 
that much noise was happening in LA at that point. This is like oh two oh three. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I remember meeting John Weiss at Line Space Line where he performed, um, but there wasn't like I, there wasn't like this scene of young kids doing it yet that I knew about. Um, so it was more like you know, like people playing with like you know a guitar laid flat across their lap with a bunch of springs and balls on it. Sure, and sure, like, sure. Kind of yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was. I was playing like that. I had like a, a I had a, a musical saw that mm-hmm. I didn't play like a musical saw. I just used it as an amplified metal surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I played some shows there with with other people, with um, the, 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 the three people who ran it when I, when I was actually got to, they weren't the, necessarily the founders, but they were the people who were there running it when I started playing. We're, uh, Jessica Catron, who's a cellist, mm-hmm. um, Jeremy Drake, who's a guitar player, and David Rothbaum, who is uh, also then later recorded as Monstero, um, uh, was had releases on like uh, Hanson and a bunch mm-hmm. of other things. Um, I recognize him, yeah. Yeah, and he was he was playing clarinet at the time, uh, so I would play with them a bunch. And then at that kind of closed down, that, that series ended, I think the overlap might have been like maybe a month between that first Bill Corral show and Line Space Live ending. Mm-hmm. And so I just started going to Il Corral and was like, oh, well, I want to be a part of this. Um, no one wants to hear my like quiet, scratchy sounds on this piece of metal. So, or I just didn't, I was like, I'm too, I'm not going to do that here. Um, so I was like, well, I've got to figure out what I can do to, to, to hang out here, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and I, and I'd loved noise for, for years. I, I, I mean, you know, I was into it, but I wasn't like around it yeah. in the same way. Like, I remember I met Damien Romero at, um, at Il Corral one of the first times and, I, I had to confess to him, I was like, you're not, you're Speculum Fight, but you're not Japanese. Because <laughs> I didn't, I, I just saw his name on all these records with like MSBR and yeah. like, I didn't, and people like that, I didn't realize he wasn't also a Japanese guy. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just a guy from LA. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, wait, Speculum Fight isn't Japanese noise. It yeah. was here somehow. He was just going over there all the time in the 90s. Yeah. Um, so I just didn't know that there was anything until, until then. Sure. And then did, did rail develop as, uh, you know, like right away, did you jump into that kind of intensity with it? No, not really. I don't think so. Uh, like Jonathan Snipes, I, I convinced him, my, you know, my roommate at the time from clipping, mm-hmm. I convinced him to do a noise project with me. Cause I think I was like too, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do something alone necessarily because I didn't really like know people well enough and I wasn't sure that I actually knew what I was doing. I totally didn't uh, yet. <laughs> so we did a couple of shows under the name Unnecessary Surgery, uh-huh. um, <laughs> which were just silly, but there was like more like just harsh noise. Yeah. Uh, but like, not, I don't think we were very good. Like, I think we were like, mm, now that I... I, I, I'm not. I, I don't intend to ever look back or listen to any of those sure. recordings. If, uh, but 
Um, but Rail, yeah, Rail started. Rail started because I didn't want to. I wanted to just make like pedal harsh noise, but like I was intimidated in that I thought everyone was going to be like everyone was so good. They were really established, you know, like like John Circuit Wound, fucking Impregnable, Privy Seals. They were all like good already. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and do something. Um, I'm going to make this sort of hybrid thing and slow everything down. Mm -hmm. Cause I also was not like, I'm also not like a, as a performer, I didn't want to be the, like the, the thrash around scream back into the audience, like yeah. get knocked over, tip my table over person. I thought I felt like that would feel forced yeah. coming from me. It would feel yeah. like I was definitely like a, uh, I think a little more reserved, yeah. So I thought like my answer to that was going to be this absolutely just glacial version of it, just like as slow as possible, where it's like I would set up my synth and I would set a timer and I had eight minutes to turn this one knob from here to here. And that was the set, you know, yeah. like, so I started doing that because I thought that was sort of more my personality but I thought like that would that would that would carve out my little place in in that scene. That's what I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, and I think I was I you know I always felt like I was never really I was a little bit outside, even though these were like like my best friends because I wasn't I wasn't like getting to be on all the labels necessarily. Like they weren't putting out my stuff. I think I I had. I felt I was kept at a bit of an, a distance because also I was like in graduate school, you know, sure. I like, I was, no one knew exactly what, <laughs> what I was up to. Sure. Uh, they weren't sure if I was a, like a lifer or not, <laughs> you know? Well, you clearly are, but I mean, it's also cool that you, I think in such a scene decided to, to do something you know, kind of unclassifiable and on your own path instead yeah. of, you well, know, just trying to just be in, you know, one, another one of the guys doing the same, you know, similar yeah. thing, follow them. I think that was also, that comes from, that comes from like my interest in, in improv, I think in free improv, because like in those days of free improv, like your people, it was all about like your, your specific language that was yours. Like this is the collection of sounds you can make and you bring with your instrument. And everyone wanted to figure out how to play, how to get a whole world of sounds out of playing an instrument wrong, right? Like, so that was really influential to me was like, you wanna be able to tell who someone is, that they, they bring a, a particular voice to this thing, right? You, you think of, you know, Axel Derner, trumpet player who would not, you know, he invented a whole language for trumpet without playing any true, without not playing true notes, right? It just sounded like air and valves and spit, um, you know? So there's this, there's this t attempt to like crack open an instrument and make that your, 
Like that is your voice through that. That is your, and, and it was, there's a lot of emphasis put on invention, right? Like you have to discover this, like you have to bring something completely new. Right. Um, and I still think like that. I mean, with the, the, you know, it, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's like, I, it, that's, that really does push me to be like, the person who figured out how to do this thing is really yeah. important to me. Um, cause that's so much what I admired and like Toshimaru Nakamura and Sachiko M right. Toshimaru Nakamura making uh, a whole universe of sound that he's committed himself to for the last 25 years with just mixer feedback. And he has never repatched his mixer right. since like 1998. It has stayed exactly plugged in the exact same way. And mm -hmm. he's made hundreds of albums that all sound different right. with just, uh, the, with just the mixing board and then Sachiko M just playing sine waves, right? It was all about like, what is your, what is the thing? What is the thing no one's ever heard before that can be your voice? Right. So that, that's sort of probably why, except like, you know, couched in very conceptual terms, I will do like a regular harsh noise thing, but like, I've always like the thing that's going to be my main project always has to be something that I think I'm doing that, no one else is doing right yeah. so rail rail after it became like that the when it was like really just cold windy droning and crackling uh that started feeling like it wasn't as unique as i wanted it to be and that's when rail turned exclusively into okay the same types of sounds but a performance would be starting in silence swelling up into that sound fading out to silence again, sitting there in silence, swelling up another sound so that it was these like individual events in long, long silences. Um, that's what, that's sort of what rail was for the last, like, I mean, I guess I could still do it. I never like officially stopped sure. doing it, but that's sort of what it became um, after that. So I was never really doing the, I was never really going to do the same thing as other people, but then also that's sort of disingenuous because of course I did. Right. I would also, it was very well known as a side project and very conceptual, but I would also play as anthracite, which uh -huh. was a, which was just straight worship imitation of like, you know, nineties pedal stuff. Sure. 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 But that was always like very, it was always a side project and like it was always ruled, like you described earlier, kind of with clipping, like the side project. Yeah, it had rules. I mean, it was all, it, you know, each piece was themed after a, uh, like a labor uprising from the end of the 19th century, like between the, the, between reconstruction and, and world war two, different labor uprisings mm -hmm. would be the theme of them. And that would be the artwork on the tape. I only did like three tapes maybe, but mm -hmm. But I would play live and I would play like old union songs yeah. under noise and stuff. Cool. Um, With rail, how, how, like when you describe that performance uh, process or, or kind of structure, how long were these pieces and how long were the silences and how, how, how was the reaction <laughs> to that? Cause that's difficult to do. I mean, that's, uh, I think everyone, I, I mean, everyone knew what they were getting into with me. So like if you, if, if you weren't down, you, you knew to go outside, have a smoke during my set. Um, uh, yeah, they, it, 
the, so my, uh, the pieces would not be long. I would play for, there would be maybe nine sounds in 10 minutes. Okay. Right. Um, and the, the silences could be, well, I, they probably wouldn't be longer than 10, 15 seconds at a time, mm -hmm. but, but I would really just try my hardest to just focus and sit there and not, you know, at like the, this, this discipline, right? Like, yeah. like, uh, just focus on doing as little as possible. Cause like when people are actually there watching you, it's really hard not to want to do something. Right. It is that's um, very true. Which is something that, you know, I, I actually wrote about, um, in like 2008, I wrote like a sort of half like academic ish article. It wasn't actually like peer reviewed. It wasn't in a real journal, but it was like an academic style journal. Um, I wrote about, uh, the Rita and um, uh, use uh, in its relationship to like uses of silence in like contemporary concert music, specifically like the uh, Vondelweiser composers, uh, Radu Mafadi and Michael Pizarro and people like that, um, as like this sort of disciplined inactivity, but the the sort of innovation being that like that like a lack of that like you can sit that, that 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 Sam is doing something similar in in his inactivity, but because it's electronics, he can have his hands off, and he is he, there is a disciplined waiting patience to this full on barrage assault of sound. Right. right, if you're an acoustic musician, doing nothing is silence, but if you're an electronic musician, doing nothing can be the loudest thing ever. Yeah. Um, so I remember talking to to Sam in those early days about this and having this conversation about sort of inactivity um, and discipline and focus and like forcing yourself not to do too much and that like um, was um, was part of what I was trying to go for what I was trying to experiment with um, just with myself and my own sort of fussy restlessness. Cool. That's that's really. I think it's an important concept for a lot of reasons and, you know, creation, but also in performance, just strategy, but it's, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. Um, were, what was there thematic content to rail as well beyond the, 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 the sonics? Um, not really, not in the same way. Uh, there was just a loose thematic there. So I made a rule so that I wouldn't have to worry about it and think about thematic content was that every title for a rail thing was just a particularly evocative sentence from whatever book I was reading at that mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So that was, but there wasn't much connection outside of that. And I don't think those, uh, any of those titles, they were so after the fact they were long after the recording was done. So they, and they, and they, I, there's not really any, I have a hard time remembering which which ones sound like what because the titles don't actually have any association with the song with the with the the, the sonics to me. Um, but so yeah, there wasn't really a. Uh, I mean, so rail the the word rail is um, uh, is when you have like pneumonia. A crepitant rail is a is a crackly breath. 
uh-huh. right? Yeah. So I was really focused on like texture and and specifically like like slowly evolving crackling. Yeah. Um, and it it had at least in my mind, I've never actually said this out loud to anyone. Um, in, in my mind, there was this sort of connection to um, like body and and failure, right? So it's like this is uh, this is an illness, you know. People, yeah. uh, you know, another word like a death rail, right? The death—that's your last breath, right? The right. death rattle. Um, so that's I think there was this like the discomfort of of the slowness, right? And the 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 minimal and how, how minimal it was, right? The physical discomfort of like crumpling yourself on the floor and trying to turn a knob as slowly as possible for 10 minutes. But, and, and also like the physical failure of that, of like hands on knobs, not actually doing it perfectly. Mm. Right. Um, and then just the, the, the physicality and the sort of biological timbre to the crackling I wanted to achieve was always supposed to have this sort of almost, um, almost like a like trying to imitate a, like a crackle that could uh, exist in nature right like either either something physical rubbing or or the or a strained like flammy breath yeah that's interesting you say that because uh, i've never consciously identified this but when i think of rail and the sounds and kind of the the word i, I didn't know that was the definition of the word but the sounds and that word what it kind of evokes I think of lungs, you know, so that's, that's, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Um, so what about tattered syntax? Um, tattered syntax was, uh, so I said, you know, I started doing rail cause I didn't think I was good enough to, to, to play with, um, those, those, they're the people that I wanted to play with. So I found you a made thing. Tattered syntax, and you realized, oh, I am. <laughs> no, 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 no. I did that in secret over many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was putting those together. Each one of those tracks is like months and months and months and months of, of editing because I didn't really know what I was doing, but I wanted to sound like like sickness. I wanted to sound like yeah. like you know, like, like John Borges. Uh, and I was, that's, I was trying to teach myself how to do it, but I could only do it in editing. I could never do it live. Sure. Um, so those were these pieces that I would just, I would just make, I was making them to fit on, remember those business card CDRs? I was making, I was, I was making them to fit on business card CDRs. And I had this idea that I would like, once one was good, that's how, because I thought it was kind of, it's kind of a pain in the ass to give someone too big of a demo. So I was like, okay, I'm going to give Phil Blankenship and John Weiss and Damian Romero uh, these um, business card CDRs to show them that I can make like a super brutal, fast, cut up digital noise album. Yeah. Uh, and I never had the courage. I never fucking did it. I didn't ever give them to anyone. Um, so, I, you know, those were like 10 years in the making and I just made one after another. Uh, and only, I think only John Borges had ever heard them. Like I played them for him and he was always like, it's good. 
<laughs> he's very he's very sparing with his his praise but when he says it's good i was like okay thank god oh yeah. shit yeah um and then but i was like i'd completely like i'd forgotten there was no like fire under me to do it because i also couldn't do them live like there was no hope of 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 i had no idea how i would ever do them live so yeah. i was just cutting up things in the into the tiniest little pieces um and arranging them painstakingly over years and i ended up with a handful of them and then luke skeleton dust asked me i don't even know how i think maybe john borges told him ah. to ask me he was like bill's doing this thing you should you should check these out yeah so i i did i did i gave him like four of them or three of them for one tape oh I, what's crazy is there is actually a live track on the tattered syntax album there's a live at il corral but it's the only one that's not cut up yeah that was um, that was an actual live performance, but I didn't do that under the name Tattered Syntax. I actually did it under the name. I think I think I probably did it under Anthracite. And when then you performed it, I went when I performed. I think I was billed as Anthracite, and then but I like did that, and then liked the recording and wanted it to go on that, so I called it Tattered Syntax. But cool. that's um, so there is one live. Yeah, I think I had, I was I was so yeah. That's that's how insecure I was that I needed. To include a live track on Tattered Syntax because I was like, no, it's, I can do it live. It's not too hard. I can do it. Um, yeah, there is one live track on that. Um, yeah, I, so that just like, I mean, once, once Luke put it out, then Matt Purse asked me um, if there was any more, and I just had the, I had the rest of them. And that yeah. was just what I had made up until that point, and it happened to fit on a CD. That's and then I, I added to, I added like a couple of little interlude things in it because there was, I had I had like had some, uh, there are like interludes on there which are just the sound of um, audio interfaces failing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that's one available that's... from. Is he sold? Is he sold out of that one? It came no out idea. Fifteen. I think that's that's definitely worth it. If it's if it's not out there, it's definitely worth reissuing it because i've heard the the tape on skeleton dust and i've heard about this cd and that it's super great and i haven't had a chance to to hear it and i don't i don't think it's available from the label anymore and it's like oh really i know people yeah, i know people i know people talk about it very 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 highly a friend of mine who is a big big fan of your stuff who lives here in cologne was like when i told him i was interviewing you he was like super stoked and he's like ask him how he made his tired syntax <laughs> um that's interesting yeah i don't see it on his website um yeah i mean it's it's, it's uh the um the the skeleton dust one is half of the material so right. it's, it sounds right like that. I, that, that, I think that's like i don't remember which which tracks are, are where but that's probably that a very unique clinical and precise pre precision and, and and you know did it, it's it's very digital. I think I think a lot of times certain noise is much much more suited for for CD than than tape, and this is definitely yeah. one of those. So yeah, I mean, that, it's, it's great it, that the it's CD really, exists. Yeah, that one that project was, you know, it has a very different character. Like Anthracite, you know, wants to sound like Skin Crime. This really wanted to sound like like CD era sickness. Yeah, um, and and CD era like the first two th or first three pedestrian deposit albums without yeah. the ambient stuff, without sure. any of the ambient like stuff, just the, just the full on assault stuff. 
That's cool. What were some of your other techniques that went in making the source? Because I think, you know, in some ways, I'm always a little bit surprised that so many harsh noise artists um, do shy away from using a lot of um, digital editing, like DAW editing. And of course, there's a lot that do, but that's still, for some people, very, like, foreign realm and you know you but 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 that stuff yeah. is a very still unique sound i mean there's a lot of people that do cut up noise on you know but but what gives it that special sound i okay i have never told anyone this i have never told anyone how i made that um what i did was i would record long 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 chunks of just pedal noise and line up two takes, hard pan them, then open them in this program called Peak. And I would record the audio output from Peak while I clicked the cursor around in the track. And every time you moved the cursor while it was playing, it would leave a little bit of a silence. So yeah. then I would take the performance of that, of clicking around, and it would be like sound, silence, sound, silence, sound, silence. I would go through and I would painstakingly cut out every silence, squish them all back together, then use that again and do it again. Wow. So I, then I would click around in that and do it again until the pieces were so small Wow. Um, that I ended up with these very, very quick... And so, and then I would go, you know, go from stereo to mono to stereo to mono. And then like, and so it would be like wide, narrow, wide, narrow. And then like, then like maybe I'd get stuck on a sound and I'd be like, there'd be like this little digital sound. And some of those were like, um, like just computer noise stuff. I'd make something in max MSP, uh, or, um, I also had, you know, a modular synth at the same time. So I would like make that and then process it digitally. But yeah, but that process of, of just literally like, hijacking the audio out of the program, pushing play on, on noise I'd already made, and then just clicking the mouse around in it for the cuts. It's like across the timeline. Yeah, just across, have the whole thing open and just go click, 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 for like 40 minutes, just click, 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 until I had like a long ass track of, that would look like, because every time you, it would, the playhead would catch up to where you clicked, it would leave a tiny silence. So then I would have to go through and manually slice out all the silences because I didn't know then, because I didn't, wasn't good enough. Like now I would know how to get rid of the silence. Like now I would know how to find all the silences and cut them out in a batch processing. But like then I was like, but also like, also cause like doing it at that, like such a microscopic level, I would listen to things back and over and over and over and over and over again. I'd be like, okay, this slice is in the wrong place. And I would cut stuff and I would like move yeah, it around. Yeah, yeah. So it was like really, really, I mean, that's why I would, you know, these tracks would take months and months and months and months of not like consistent work, but like a couple hours a week, I just fuck around with them. And like, I, I, you know, I would have worked at such a micro level in those tracks that like every single sound had been, considered and everything that's in there i was like yes that is right i'm leaving that in that's really cool actually that's a really cool process because it's like it's starting with live noise it's then like kind of rolling the dice with it i'd see when you were clicking clicking around you were kind of just kind of just i had no idea what it was going to be 
Right, because it just it looked like a giant, like it was all maxed out, it was brick walled. Right. So I don't yeah. even know where on the track I'm clicking, you know. Yeah, and then using that process and getting to like a very composed, refined, short piece in the end. It's kind of like going from beginning to. It's like kind of like, you know, starting with an organic process, going or going going random, and then, or starting yeah. starting with like with like a played musical type playing. Yeah going like random with it and then using that as the the final building blocks for a for a composition that's really cool yeah yeah i haven't thought about that in so long and i've definitely i i mean i'm i think i at the time i was embarrassed because i thought there had to be some better way i was basically trying to reverse engineer what i heard uh you know in cut up noise uh but i didn't know how anyone else did it and i was too afraid to ask <laughs> you know so i was like trying to reverse engineer how how you might sound like a fail association or tef or something you know i was like i wanted to sound like i bet that i bet that your process isn't i bet people have gone similar processes before because i know that sometimes when i'm doing I, i've never done like hard cups noise stuff like that but i know that sometimes when i when I work on stuff and get to some crazy perfect combination of sounds, it's just because I randomly dropped two sound files on top of each other and they lined up in that way. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is how it's supposed to be. You know, and, and those yeah. happy accidents, those, those, those happy accidents and things are really super important. And I'm sure that's even a lot of the most meticulous stuff that you hear that sounds like every little piece was. But yeah. But then you would see, you'd see like, I, I, cause I, you know, I was close to the bay. So I would see, I would see like Zome and Stimbox play. And I was like, they're doing it somehow with buttons on the table. <laughs> yeah. I'm not doing that. I couldn't <laughs> do that. So it was, that's part of why it was so, it was so painstaking was cause I just didn't, you know, that was my solution was to, was to click around and peek. That's killer. I think it's very cool. I would hope that that can get a repress, Matt. If you're listening, um, <laughs> we need a repress of that CD. I know people. I, I know people want it. I know I want it. I've wanted it for a while. I didn't. I, I almost. You're, I mean, you're, this is the most I've ever talked about it. I, you, no one's ever <laughs> even mentioned it to me. So, <laughs> except with except with Matt when we were making it, you know. Sure. Um. So my, I had a question written down: Why so little of the material? And I guess that's sort of is the answer. Oh, but do, you, exhausting. <laughs> do you have any plans to do? You have, have you ever worked? Have you worked on it since, or any plans? So anything like there that? Are, there are a couple on? like there are a couple like half half tracks on the hard drive uh, that God, I mean that's you know I would I would like to make I have an idea for how uh, an, a, another Tattered Syntax album would work. I would need some, excuse me, some sort of, something to motivate me, some, some feeling like I needed a deadline and someone actually wanted it. Sure. <laughs> and I could possibly do it. But at this point, it's like, I, you know, I can't finish the, records people have asked for that I said I would do, you know, like sure, I've, sure. there are labels I've owed things to for embarrassingly long. Uh, so. Club, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's 
That's yeah. that's 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 great though. That's good to know that you're still active with that stuff, even if you know, even if sparingly. I mean, I'm sure clipping takes up a crazy amount of time. I mean, I've got not really. It's in like bursts. I've got plenty yeah. of time, you know, yeah. in between things. You know, I did just do, you know. So I also play. I, I made this sort of like imp instrument I can improvise with, and I just did a release on Super Pang last month. Um, Under your name. Under William Hudson, yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, which is just like this, um, and I played my first shows in three years, uh, um, just recently. Nice. Uh, which were pretty fun. Um, what's that? What's that dude from? I was. Both of them were with um, a guy from Poland, David. Uh, David Kowalski. Oh that, yeah, that's right. I saw. I saw you put it. Yeah, yeah. Purgist. 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 Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't remember. I was like, it starts with a P. What the hell? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. So those cool. were like doing the tape music stuff. Purgist. Nice. He's so good. He was He's super fucking good. ruled. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No. Right. So it's that, like that, that oxen related show that I guess Matt put on. I'm guessing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 When, yeah, when, when Purgist toured. Yeah. That's not long ago. Cool. So that yeah, so so that's sort of what the 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 non clipping music stuff uh, I, I, that I've been that has been more active recently um, is and it's still not active at all. It's like <laughs> two releases in five years, but sure. um, but but uh, and Ted Ted Burns and I do a duo with that stuff where I play tape music where I play the this I play this tape player with a loop. Um, and he plays drums. Obviously. Yeah, I've, does that have a name? I, I've heard about that, but I didn't. It's just, it's just Ted Burns, William Hudson. We have you released uh, anything on it with it yet? I know there's, there's one thing on there's one or two things on Bandcamp, and then uh, we did one for his um, his record his that's all drums. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I've heard. Yeah, yeah. but there's yeah. that's an ongoing thing. Yeah, yeah, we try to. Well, we we have plans. Um, it's. You know, it's been a while, but um, <laughs> we we need to get better at it. We you know we hang out all the time uh, yeah. and then don't play <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> together. Sure. Um, but we should. Cool. That's that's uh, something to look forward to for sure. And I meant to ask you this at the beginning. I don't think I did, but um, what are you up to like right now? Or you guys are going on tour with Clipping very soon, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in one week from this recording, um, so maybe by the time it's out, we might already be there. I don't know. Um, we're we're gonna play in uh, in Europe. We'll be gone. Well, basically, I'm gone from like the ninth until December sixth. I think. Nice. Um, a lot of shows. Uh, I don't even know where <laughs> they're they're all on the Instagram probably or somewhere. I saw that there's no no Germany shows which is a bummer it's really confusing to me as well especially because when we were when like when we canceled 60 shows for at the beginning of COVID uh like a bunch of those were German shows oh. and then I, I yeah I just don't know I, I like our booking agent said something about like shows getting canceled in Germany that there was some reason but I don't I don't but know a if lot it's of, true but or a lot of good I, shows a lot of good shows for sure. And it could be true. Germany has very strict 
that I think it was someone said they like someone on our team just didn't want to deal with it. Yeah, so, no, I, don't mean, I don't mean to sound. I'm, I, 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 I know I'm not dismissing whatever they said. I'm saying I didn't understand. And sure, sure, sure. I can't. Well, it, could, it could be very true that booking shows in Germany right now is is arduous and complicated because that's how things often are here. But um, but there's a lot of really sick uh, sick tour dates. Um, yeah, nearby. it's gonna be really fun. We um so we start actually, uh, we got to this is I've always wanted to do this. We got to uh, curate a festival. Um, so our first our first dates are in Utrecht, uh, at the Lagos Who Festival, um, which is a really cool festival because they let uh, the headliners of each three days gets to book, like basically ten bands that they want to see cool. have on, on each of their days. So we're we're the first day, and then Animal Collective booked the day after us, but they, I think they canceled their whole tour. Um, I don't okay. think they're going out there. But all the bands they booked are still playing. So, okay. Um, cool. But yeah, so it was really cool uh, to get to to book a fest. I've always wanted to do Sick. that. <laughs> that's very cool. That's awesome. That's that's at the beginning of the tour. Yeah, that's the first. Yeah, that's the first uh, date of the tour. Is our, our first show will be at that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any. I tried. This didn't work. I really tried really hard for them to book uh, incapacitance. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, dream. They were like, okay, who's your dream artist to, to that you want to book? And I was like, incapacitance. And uh, I don't even. I I'm sure they didn't even reach out. <laughs> who's playing? Uh, oh, I'd have to look at the list. Hold on. Who is playing? Um, uh, Jeff Parker is playing, who is, uh, you know, the guitar player from, well, famously from Tortoise, but also like a brilliant yeah. solo guitar player. Uh, he plays on the clipping album with Ted. Yes. Um, uh, there is, uh, oh, I'm really excited to see uh, this dude, Awasan. Um He's a French, I think he's like the future of fucking music concrete, as far as I'm concerned. It's like, uh, like it's like halfway between it's like very much influenced by like super academic computer music mm -hmm. but it's like so massive and like just overpowering and visceral as mm -hmm. well fucking brilliant um who else uh oh yeah oh divide and dissolve is a is a metal duo from uh australia cool. uh oh dos monos is a is a japanese rap group Cool. Um, oh, Dream Crusher is playing. Oh, Eviction. Do you know uh, Victoria Eviction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from For San Francisco. Sure. We never. Uh, uh, I didn't actually know her, but now she's like coming with a with on tour, and we're really excited. Yeah. I I've never seen her play until a couple weeks ago. Um, I've seen videos, and it looks looks wild for sure. Oh, oh, Jana Rush. Jana Rush is a like a footwork um, producer from Chicago. She was like. When she was super young, she was on Dance Mania Records in Chicago, which is like the Chicago like ghetto house, like just one of my favorite eras of music and, and um, genres and labels. Uh, cool. But she does like fucking really super like scattered, complicated footwork production. Uh, now she's super cool. Uh, who else? Yeah. Oh, uh, They Hate Change. There are like a rap group. Uh, there are friends from florida and zebra cats who is german who are not as german he's american but he lives okay. in germany okay. zebra cat playing uh who's a, a a rapper who like 
his album, his new album is, or his last album, I guess it's not that new anymore. It's, it's, I think it is, I, no one made this connection. I think it is much more connected to clipping or like more like what we want to be associated with than almost mm-hmm. anything else. It's like super hard, like cavernous, noisy Berlin techno with rapping. Cool. Um, it's fucking awesome. It sounds like one of the tracks sounds like Empty Set made it. Yeah. It's like like just like super nice. super cold, super industrial, um, but with like really skillful rapping. Um, sure. So I'm excited to see him. That yeah, that's who's playing on our fest. <laughs> awesome. That sounds great. I wish I could. I mean, probably other people that I've forgotten, but <laughs> killer. Oh yeah, like Manuka Honey, Nikisi. There's a bunch of other names. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, whatever. We'll put, we'll, <laughs> other people. We'll, we'll put them up there. We'll we'll put them up there in the on the podcast uh, screen. Yeah, um, thanks. <laughs> so now comes the time of the show where I'd like to ask you. Um, well, I ask most people most people their top five noise releases of all time, and I ask them their top five recent noise releases of all time. But I want to ask you, since you're also a hip hop producer, <laughs> top five noise albums and your top five hip hop albums of all time. Oh man! And I also want to bullshit with you a little bit after that about like newer hip hop and stuff like that. I was dreading this. I was dreading this. I made like all these like lists, and I didn't. I sh- I was like, I was like, what am I going to fucking say? Um. I feel like the the things I feel like I've covered I feel like in this just in this conversation I've covered some of the things that I would actually say are like my top five noise releases yeah. of all time. It would be like I have become the disease that made me by by sickness, mm-hmm. um, uh, fatal by pedestrian deposit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, while you were out is like such an obvious answer, but like that changed my life. I wrote about that in my PhD dissertation. Um, uh, but like, I feel like I've covered all of those. Um, or, or like, you know, I also said bodies bear traces of carnal violence because I think like, I don't, I think that's maybe the most influential like noise record of, of, I don't, I, I think that that like no other album, like that's, that launched a thousand, wall projects you know i mean like that yeah, his impact huge, huge. on noise is so immeasurable and that when that came out that just fucking cracked everyone's heads open you know i mean it was yeah. so cool um yeah but let me see i i'm gonna i'm gonna i i have a i have a I, I could make a hundred of these okay so i wrote down some other like just early early shit that i heard that yeah. that really meant something to me that I that I'd never heard anything like before. I'm gonna try and put it in an order. Um, you don't have to put it in an order, and also no stress. Just in terms of historically, for me, I'm just saying, okay, like okay. for, yeah, for okay. me, I'm gonna say like I think I think there was a re- there was a tape on his own label called Snuff Electronics by Pain Jerk. It's one mm-hmm. of those ones from like '95, '96. That one, I think I would love to hear it again. That one was like, that was, I think that was like my one, maybe because that was the one of the couple I had. Sure. I had Gallant Gravy also, but like, that seems like an obvious answer. Everyone knows that one, but it was called Snuff Electronics. Um, and I would love, I don't, I, I don't think it's online anywhere and I don't think it's been reissued. Um, but I remember that one being, and that's like the sort of in my head, that's like the quintessential 
like perfect, most elegantly assembled Japanese yeah. noise with the like the oscillations and the loops and repeats yeah. Yeah. and just like squiggly but like heavy and crazy yeah. and just bright as shit, just like yeah. crackling bright. Um, and just like it sounded to me like at that time, I don't know, it sounded to me like hi-fi. Like it sounded like expensive. It sounded bright yeah. and clean in a way that like uh, other stuff didn't. So I was like, oh, this is this like, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. neon noise. It was like yeah. fucking, and, it, and it's just like, he's got such perfect taste and makes such perfect choices Definitely. that that one, if anyone can find that tape or if someone, if someone has it, Rip it and upload it so I can hear it again because all my shit's in storage. Yeah. All everything I own is in storage in LA, so I couldn't even like go through my tapes. Um, uh, uh, my other oh, I was I really was into um, I and I was sort of briefly friends with him. I have no idea where he is now. David Brownstead was six 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 volt battery noise, um, and that was stumbling across uh, him. He had a tape on Slaughter called Family Annihilator, and he had another tape on Mother Savage called Blunt Objects versus Sharp Things. Yeah. Both of those, both of those were amazing. I was, like, talking with him. This was, like, 15 years ago. I was talking to him about reissuing something um, but many, many years ago, and we've, we've lost touch. And I actually Dude, don't... I'm sorry to say this, but I'm pretty sure he's passed away. I... That's what... So, I... The last time I talked to him, he was very ill. And then I didn't hear from him for like a year. <clears throat> and then I think I asked, like Ron from Triple R was like, no, 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 he's definitely still alive. And I was like, fuck, he just won't, he's not calling, he won't pick up the phone if I call or he won't yeah. answer an email. So I just never heard anything. And then I kind of thought maybe I heard he passed away. Yeah. Anyway, we weren't close. I like, you know, a total of like, three hours on the phone with him over, sure. you know, a year. But, yeah. uh, but, but I did really admire those tapes when I was, when I found them in high school and for those sure. were like huge Great for fun. me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't know that they're like the best of that, like style in that era, but like they were the ones I found, you know, sure. it was like, you know, Borges, Borges is the one who played me, um, Texas Chainsaw Dope Fiend the first yeah. time, which is like maybe that is the quintessential like Mother Savage like masterpiece from that era by like a totally obscure, <laughs> forgotten, also passed away uh, yeah. figure of of that time. But yeah. like, but yeah, but that was um, but six 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 volt battery noise was really cool. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, and then. Um, uh, there's a tape I would love for this to show up somewhere that I could hear it again. Swing Brother Swing by Blister Pack. Yeah. Blister Pack had, had a one tape on Mother Savage called Trini's, Trini's Wad. Trini's Wad, yeah. Yeah. And there was the dude from Rend and the dude from Hive. Right. Yep. Uh, and Plague in Perspective was their label. And they had, they right. had, there was the double, there was the double Hive tape and there was a Rend was it a was Rend the one that did pure or was that a, a pure CD? I think, I think Rend was on pure, yeah, Probata or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pro, Probata Girder or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, wow, I haven't heard any of that stuff. But Swing Brother Swing was super fucking weird, and I think about it because it was I couldn't tell if it was like separate songs 
or if there were weird gaps and silences in the noise. Uh-huh. Like, I definitely remember the B-side, like, would drop to nothing all the time. Yeah. So it would be like, so it was almost in like a, but it had the texture of like that, you know, American, just gnarly, just blown out tape shit. Mm-hmm. But like it had these like drops to silence, almost like it was like Kazumoto Endo would do. But it was like I couldn't. And I remember it was so mysterious to me. And that's why I'm sort of fascinated by it. But I was uh, that like I never quite knew. Was my tape defective? Uh, Was this intentional? Are these separate tracks that are all 20 seconds long? Yeah. Or is this one piece that incorporates silence? Which, you know, as you as I've said, like that, that sort of became interesting to me. It's like and I and I just loved that. I'm also obsessed with this idea of like this alien anti-music logic, right? Like, like even noise, you know, one thing follows another in like often very musical ways, whether or not we like to say it or not, but like, Oh, this progresses into this and this changes. And I love shit that sounds like aliens made it. Like there isn't a human mind behind it. Like you don't like never make that choice. I don't understand why that's happening. Right. Like I, I, I sort of chase that as an idea as well. And that's sort of what I was a lot of what I would like chase in like the electroacoustic improvisation world. Right. One of my favorite, I think one of the most important records to my entire life is a three inch CDR by Annetta Krebs called Guitar. Mm-hmm. And it's I, I swear to God, it sounded like. There was no there was no like no human mind would put those sounds in that order. Yeah. That's what I thought at the time. Uh, and I, and as a result, like that just, that inspired me so much. And I probably like, I think I started, I think it was when I decided I was actually going to like try to play music for myself was yeah. hearing this, this three inch CD. That's um, uh, what else needs it? I'm just like thinking of things that I wish I could, I like, I can't find online that I wish I could hear that I have like yeah. really fun. So, uh, uh, this is much, here's two from much later, mm-hmm. like more like my era when I was already making stuff, but there was a completely mysterious, I think it's a duo or a solo. I don't know. Virgin spring. They had a tape on gods of tundra called absolute decline that I just raved and raved and raved about. And I've been bugging Connolly to put it on Bandcamp or something. I think Virgin Spring, it was either two guys or one guy, and I think it was related to that project KP, which was on Hospital. Right. Yeah. But I could be wrong. It was completely mysterious to me. Did, it was Virgin, just this... did, did something come out on Hospital also from Virgin Spring? I think... I think that there were two, the only two I had were both on Gods of Tundra and the tape I thought was stronger than the LP. Mm-hmm. Ringing a bell. Maybe oh. just, maybe it was from that. All right. I was hearing an echo for a second. Sorry. Um, I hope that's not in the, no, uh, not. anyway, that is like, uh, like a really just like, it, it came at a time where I was like, maybe not, so interested in harsh art because I think it's probably like 2010 or nine or 10. I'd have to look it up, but it just like, it came at a time when I, uh, I was like, maybe not super excited about noise for, for, for a little while. And that just was like, Oh no, 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 no. Noise is great. Noise yeah. is the best. I yeah. love noise. This makes me love noise. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And Those so I, I, ha- I have so much affection for it. Like it's the, it's the, it's, I would just put it on if I wanted to hear any noise. Like if like I, if I had it with me right now and I was like, damn, I want to hear some noise. That's what I might put on. Killer. Um, and the other thing, the, I, I, how many, is this five? I'm going to say this is five because I don't remember what I said. Um, but I'm going to say uh, Relay for Death. The I think it's called The Birth of an Older, More Ugly Christ. Or Much More Ugly Christ. The, the Birth of an Older, Much More Ugly Christ. Is that the one on Hanson with that witch face on the yeah. cover? Yeah. 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 Cool. That, that just like also like reminds me of a time i also probably think of it because i also just just played a show one of the purchase shows was with roxana and rachel mm-hmm. um and i like I, I i've played with them a couple times before but i definitely like gushed about how much i love that album to them uh probably too much <laughs> um but yeah that that record at that that tape at that time i don't know if it's ever been reissued i don't i'm not sure but it was like that cassette was like and the, like the story of it was so like felt so because you because you know they were like they did a like a they were doing a medical test like one of those like medical what do you call them medical study medical study but yeah they, I heard this from some I heard this somewhere they were doing a really intense one where they had to lock themselves in they were like in a in a they had to, they were testing some drug and they were had to be there the whole time right for like 15 days and they could bring whatever they wanted to work on music with. And they made this record in a medical study. And it's like, it's, I just remember those old days, like all of my, all my noise friends were doing medical studies to like survive. (laughs) And it's just like, it's so bleak. It's such like a dark idea that you're like putting your own body on the line, taking some experimental drug to like get enough money to fucking eat. But you use this opportunity to like make an amazing noise record yeah. on the floor of some like abandoned hospital. Like it's yeah. fucking so dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was really like uh, that, that whole image is very moving and, uh, and profound to me. Definitely. Um, cool. That's a great so, five. That's a great meaningful five. If it, if it was five, <laughs> I think it was, it was five. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Know. Good, 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 good. Um, so now, so now tell me if you can, your top five hip hop records of all time, man, I know that's really, really hard. I mean, of course it's like, it's so vast, but it's so, it's so vast. I mean, the problem is there's like 50, I could name 50 and they could all be number one on any given day, you know? Right. Of course. Um, but so here was my idea was that I was going to sort of push for, maybe some like underheard things Mm -hmm. that I think, uh, could, uh, really appeal to, uh, I mean, I'll talk about any other record after this, but I I made a little list. I don't know how many it is, but like that, like records that might appeal to noise fans and maybe their rap albums they haven't really heard. Yeah, that's that's my premise here. Okay, I'm gonna start with the least likely one, which maybe not as like isn't actually specific to noise people, but it's just like my favorite album that's never been really reissued. You can't find it anywhere. Um, is uh, Rap and Ron and Ant Diddley Dog Bad Influence? Do you know this? No. 
No, okay. So they were. In, I'm not going to know probably a lot of most of these. So yeah. they were. They were in the. They were in the Dangerous Crew, which was Ant Banks and Two Shorts like crew in the early '90s. They made one album called Bad Influence, and they were like, "This is sort of what I was talking about." Was like the the lyrical versus like the gangster. They yeah. were the most lyrical rappers in Oakland at the time. They yeah. you could not, you could not fucking touch them. Yeah. They were they were just brilliant rappers, but they rapped exclusively about like gangster shit. So yeah. it was like I think that's like a really uniquely like that's and, and and I appreciated that because like you could always point to them and say you can't say the Bay doesn't have real rappers. Like yeah. they were just they were just so uh, they were just excellent, and I I would obsess over over all the words. Uh, and it's like, and it's, 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 it's early nineties. So it's like, it's kind of grimy. It's kind of tough. Uh, it's super inappropriate. There's a lot of like really violent shit on it, but yeah. like, they're very, very technically excellent rappers, yeah. uh, you know, in a way that like the Bay didn't get that kind of credit, yeah. uh, you know, because of like, you know, people, people from New York did not think, you know, they thought E40 was a clown and too short was you know, too simple or whatever. Neither sure. is true. Both right. geniuses. Yeah. But um but but Rap and Ron and Hand Diddly Dog. Uh okay. um oh and then uh I think I would like I would I think more people should know about Mr. Ivan. So so I was obsessed with Cash Money Records in high school. So Cash Money had like two distinct periods in the nineties before the hot boys mm -hmm. there was all these artists that that were kicked off the label some of whom kicked off with some amount of uh, violence mm -hmm. uh because the the founders of the label baby and slim wanted to start over with their like kid group to go pop right yeah. to blow up with the, i mean and they did and i love the hot boys i mean yeah. uh lil wayne's like one of my favorite rappers of all time um yeah. and so is juvenile but before that, they had this sort of weird collection of rappers. But the great thing about it is Manny Fresh made all those beats, too. So yeah. he still he made all the beats. for. The, and so there's this guy, Mr. Ivan, and it's kind of the closest Cash Money ever got to doing like a horror core uh -huh. record. I mean, Mr. Ivan is called 187 in a Hockey Mask uh -huh. is the album. And it's just it's like cold and spooky and mean as shit. And he raps really, really like fast in that like sort of like new orleans like 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 not as not as tongue twistery or as like virtuosic as mystical but in the yeah. way that like a lot of those guys were doing that yeah yeah kind of rushing like kind of like overfilling the beat like kind of like, yeah, yeah 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 um so i think i think people people should listen to mr ivan track that cool. down it came out on cash um, money it's on Cash Money. It's on Cash Money from like before. It's got to be like ninety three or ninety four, something like that. Ninety five? No, maybe ninety five, ninety six. I think they were like, all that stuff's later. So like mm -hmm. Cash Money, like I think the first Hot Boys and the first Big Timers start coming out in like ninety seven. Yeah, ninety six, ninety seven, something yeah. like that. Um, uh, oh, I think just in terms of like, I, I do. Th I bet. I bet some noise people know about this, but I was going to recommend uh, a, like a Memphis, an underground Memphis tape called "The Single" by Children of the Corn. Mm -hmm. 
it is the sonic equivalent of something coming out on like it's like a, it sounds like it sounds like Joe Romer dubbed it on his own tape player kind yeah. of thing, but it's a rap album. But it's a it's like a horror rap album from Memphis from the early '90s, uh, like from that scene that like Tommy Wright and and yeah. uh, and Three Six came out of. Right. Tommy Wright had like Ten Wanted Men, and there was yeah. Three Six like Mystic Styles at the time. Yeah. But this is one of these like this is the absolute grimiest, worst sounding, and as a result most like evocative and terrifying of of that scene in my opinion i called cool. children of the corn um yeah that 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 tastes really good and then i thought maybe because like I, i'm gonna name my favorite dj screw mixtape mm -hmm. which is leaning on a switch which is just two hours of little kiki and big pokey freestyling back and forth and mm -hmm. each of them freestyles you know, they'll freestyle for like 10 minutes straight and then trade off to the next one. And it's one of the most dazzling. And then, and then of course, the whole thing is slowed down and chopped up by DJ yeah. Screw. Yeah. But it's like just, it's got the vibe of exactly what it is, which is a few people drinking, smoking in a room, yeah. playing records and just yeah. rapping over it for an evening. Yeah. And yeah. they're just brilliant. And they're yeah. like... It's like real freestyling, like totally off the top. So like yeah. it's even it's even fun when you hear it sort of like fall apart and then like right. but then you've got this extra layer that like even after that was recorded, then he slowed it down to eighty percent speed, you know? Yeah. And then it's so it's got this super weird like you feel like you're you are at a party with everyone, uh, and everyone's having fun, but you took the wrong drugs. Right. right? So it's like this amazing atmosphere. Cool. Um that's that's one of my favorites. So I th is that is that I think five it's four? Oh, right. Crap. Um. Um. Oh, then how about how about the uh, the original Project Blowed compilation? The first the first one from like it's got the light bulb on it. It's got. You know, it's got everyone from from that. So Project Blowed being this original L.A. scene. Um, it was a space. It was a it was sort of a venue. And then it was a collective. And it was like all of these. It's like sort of the epicenter of like California art, jazz, rap. Yeah. Uh, but the, the original Project Blowed tape is. It's it's like weird and 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 it's it's. It's not noisy exactly, but it's it feels very experimental and off kilter and grimy, mm -hmm. um, uh, and that. So it's got freestyle fellowship. It's got abstract tribe unique. It's yeah. got ganja k. It's got volume ten. It's probably got. It's got the nonce on it. Who had a who had a song called mixtapes that was sort of vaguely popular at one point, which is a masterpiece. Cool. Uh, so that's like a de a deeply weird glimpse into a scene. That like somehow it feels kind of like like you know like like how like noise compilation tapes in the old days where yeah. you're like you know I don't know any of these names and then right. you're like in this like world and you're like how do yeah. these like trying to make connections and figure out how they all know each other or whatever what's actually going on or what like era sort was of, that what era was Project Blood roughly like what years oh early nineties to maybe it ended probably in the early two thousands okay. 
like, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly when it would have started. There is a, there's a documentary about it uh, by um, Ava DuVernay, actually. Um, uh, it was at The Good Life. Maybe it was at somewhere before it was The Good Life. But it was, you know, it was like a battle. It was like, I never, I didn't live in L.A. when it happened. I have, I'm friends with a lot of the people who are like the last generation yeah. of that. Like, like, um... Like uh, James, he goes by All City Jimmy now. He used to be uh, No Can Do, and then like Open Mike Eagle, and some of the beat makers, and and Bus Driver is like one of the yeah. younger guys from that. But but there was like, I mean, and, and and yeah, they they were like the art scene guys, but but Micah Nine, one of the members of Freestyle Fellowship, he ghost wrote raps on the first NWA album. Um, yeah. So like there were, there were connections across all of this. That's um, crazy. And like corrupt, I know like people would talk about like corrupt used to go to Project Blow to watch people freestyle and shit. Um, but it was this, it was this ultra competitive, um, but also ultra like supportive and positive scene in LA that produced like really, really, really forward thinking rap music at the time that was like. Being in the Bay, I was just like, I would have, David and I would have done anything to get to go there. And anytime any of those artists were in the Bay, we'd be at the show. Yeah. But we never actually made it to the real place before it closed down. Crazy. Yeah, that's interesting because Ted brought that up again. And like, I wasn't nearly, nearly, nearly that deep into any of this stuff back when I was listening to it. But it was like 15 years since I'd heard that term. And I was like, <laughs> I think I've only heard it in like songs that reference it, like, like abstract root and tribe unique, like, or like some MERS songs or something, you know, like it's like stuff that I used to listen to back then, but oh, I didn't MERS have was... like, but I didn't have like the whole catalog. I had like, I mean, like one album by each of these, you know, like one or two albums by each of these artists. So it wasn't like that, but it was like, I always heard project blood. So when, when, when Ted said something about project blood, it was like, Oh, it was like, like my, like my, my my Rolodex went like way way back, and it's like fuck. Yeah, Mers would have been there because Mers was in the Bay. He was in a crew called Living Legends. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was really into them. I was he really into them. Mers was from Mers moved around all the time. He was in like everyone's crew. He was in everyone's scene. Everyone yeah. loved that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. That's that was like that's you know mine and David's high school era. Haiku d'etat was yeah. one of the, the a group, AC and Abrud and Micah, I think. Yeah, exactly. Those names are all just like, that's like my, <laughs> yeah, that's like my high school, but like or like rather like early high school or like late middle school kind of, is like when I was like really, but that was all. That's all. Those, all those names are just like ringing, like <laughs> triggering neurons in my brain, just like reconnecting neurons, like crazy yeah i haven't i want to i should i should listen to the comp it's one of those things where like, i think I, I think i played the comp for someone like five years ago i played it for someone and it was one of those things where it's like my mouth just started i just i knew every word yeah. but i was like i was like i my brain wasn't thinking of the words my mouth was just doing it yeah. and my brain if you asked me i couldn't have come up with like i couldn't have kept going if you stopped but right. the second it was going i was like damn i do it's just like muscle memory i was like yeah. damn i do i did memorize this whole tape <laughs> yeah it's crazy like that wow 
It's killer, man. Well, that's a that's a that's a great those are great recommendations for sure. That's that's deep stuff. That's those are deep cuts. Um. Uh. Now, if you would, yeah, if you would, before we wrap this up, you know, I usually ask people their five, top five like new rap or no no new noise, but can you tell me like top five new rap? It doesn't have to be albums, but like artists or songs or something like that, because that's something that's also very interesting. Like, what is going on with in rap right now? Um, let's see what is going on right now. Um, so I've, so I'm, I've been, I'm the music supervisor for a, for a TV show that takes place in Oakland. And, mm. um, and so I, and it's mostly rap in the show. So like, I'm very, very regional minded right mm-hmm. now. Um, like, I mean, I'm thinking about like, what's, what's, what's like, so yeah i'm i'll start with my favorite current rapper who also might be my favorite rapper of all time but i feel conflicted about saying this and uh because i don't know there's some whatever his name is mozzie oh mozzie yeah okay my favorite i think he's i think i like I would argue he's maybe the greatest rapper of all time. I think he's making some weird choices recently. Not the fact that he's in prison. The prison, he needed to serve his time, and it fucking sucks that he's in prison. But he is absolutely the most interesting and skilled rapper uh, around, in my opinion. Uh, now, I think, and I think it's a... I, it's, it's one of these weird things where, like, I, I tell people this, and no one, like, people... I guess he's like, and I'm not a rapper, but everyone's like, oh, he's like a rapper's rapper. Like other rappers like him, but regular people don't. And I'm like, but he's, but I, I but I get it because it, it's like, it's one of these things where he's like, it sounds so effortless that you can't tell how good he is. Right. right? It sounds like just everything out of his mouth rhymes and it's like he's breathing. Yeah. Right. And so it doesn't, you don't hear like the work of it. And you don't hear the what's so innovative about it. Like, you know, Bay Area stuff, like, prides itself on its slang. But, like, when you hear Keek or E-40 or something, like, the slang really sticks out. Right. And the way Mozzie raps, he has the most inventive use of slang. But that it... It can just breeze right past. And it's almost like... It's 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 contextually so perfect that you don't even recognize that it's a slang word, a slang term for something that you've never heard before. Right. Because when he says it, you immediately know what he's talking about. Yeah. But you don't realize that, like, oh yeah, that's he, he said that in a completely new way. Right. Um, uh, I and like a lot of great rappers, I think he doesn't. I, I don't think he has a great ear for beats. I think he picks very. He picks very samey conservative beats. They're all fine, right. but I want him. I would love for him to like rap over something a little more uh, adventurous, yeah. perhaps. Not adventurous, but just like not all the same. <laughs> you right. know, like interesting. I was just, I just actually kind of found out about him like a month or two ago, and was just haven't been listening to him super hard, but I have listened to a couple of his albums, and yeah, oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I've, I've 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 seen him in concert like four times. <laughs> cool. So who who else are some of your favorite um, rappers? 
That's interesting. If if you say Mozzie might be your favorite rapper of all time, that's that's. I mean, I I took I took note of him, but now I'll really take note. That's I mean, I, you know, I, I just think he's like there's there's something about. I mean, he's, you know, I would never make. I mean, I'd say he's in the in the top five. He's the definitely the newest member of the top five. Mm-hmm. But I also mm-hmm. don't have a top five. Right. I would say you know. I, you know, there's a it's. It's a top four, and then six hundred people are tied for five. You right, know, right, like right, right, right. <laughs> I can't, yeah. I couldn't ever. Um, well, what what's what's new right now? I like this. I like this duo from from the Bay called Sulan. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they're really cool. They've they had a they had a project with Drew Banga. Drew Banga is like killing it right now. He's this producer from the Bay. And he's working with everyone. He's got like a thing with Stunna Man. He's uh, works with um, just everyone. Um, uh, and Sulan is really cool. Um, what was their? I can't remember what the name of their newest thing was, but um, it's two. It's two ladies. Let's see what else is good. I mean, you know, Larry June is from San Francisco, and he's like, he's like super blowing up uh, yep. around here. Everyone's into him, um, so that's fun for new stuff because he also sounds like such like cool, laid back, like old school driving mm-hmm. stuff, like like some sort of hybrid L.A. like G funk Bay Area mob music, mm-hmm. like. Uh, stuff i think he's great um god who else i don't know i talk to david and i talk about rap every day i mean like whatever new shit we're listening to what have i been listening to i would have to like i want to like what is going on here oh you know i mean oh god like i really like this guy uh this dude um ebk jbo mm-hmm. from stockton like Stockton really blew up. Um, Young Slow just died. Uh, he was like the one of the big names from Stockton. But there's this crew EBK. But um, there's a the EBK Young Jabo is my favorite. I'm sorry, EBK Jabo. Mm-hmm. EBK Young Jock is another one. EBK Jabo is my favorite of them. I think because I just like I've always liked like remorseful sad like the like the sad gangster like the scarface mold yeah, of yeah, like yeah. the the like the the rapper who just like seems so burdened and that's why I also what i like about mozzie right he's yeah, just yeah. like so haunted right. um just so sort of burdened uh um but jaybo he's got a check out a song called deathbed i think it's called mm-hmm. ebk jaybo deathbed um that one is They've got this really cool way of um, there's this thing in the deathbeds, deathbeds, mm-hmm. in the in the bay. They've been doing these like the way they've been like flipping vocal samples from other songs is really I think super interesting and innovative. And there's just like this particular drum pattern that's just is like so heavy and aggressive, like this sort of awkward, like not awkward, but just this sort of off kilter stomp that um that everyone's using right now that i think is really uh great and sounds really new um cool. uh 
Yeah, who else? I don't know. What was that? Four? I'm <laughs> just like only naming Bay Cats too. Um, <laughs> four that was. Yeah, that's that's awesome, then, and that's that's great. I I'd love to hear some more. Yeah, who else is like I'm trying to think of all the things I've been pitching for the TV show I'm working on? Like, who am I trying to get licenses on the show? Um, uh, oh, you know that was a. That's that's what I could have. That was another album I could have said. I just thought of that's like one of my top albums was um, "Tear Gas" by the Jacko. By who? Uh, the Jacka. The Jacka. You know Jack? I don't. Yeah, yeah, I know the name. Yeah. He's a, another Oakland rapper who has uh, passed away a handful of years ago. But mm-hmm. uh, "Tear Gas" is like I think one of the most like consistently song to song, like whole, like no skips great albums from the bay like the bay doesn't like focus on album stuff right. i don't think like people are, like album artists the way like new yorkers are album artists right. right at least in the old days like they were right you don't have like a there aren't a lot of bay area like only built for cuban links kind of like or like even good kid mad city like like album right. length works it's like singles and you know sometimes right. they add up to something great whereas like tear gas by the jacka is like one of the strongest like full albums from the bay um cool that was an, I just looked at my notes again and saw that on there. Cool. Um, yeah, man. Well, that's perfect. That's awesome. That's uh, <laughs> that's super cool, man. Like, that's that's a, that's a great job you have too. That, that's very interesting. That's uh, that's. How long has this been? You can cut this down, right? I can't believe anyone would ever watch this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll let you go now, but that's you know. We're, People, people enjoy. I, I enjoy a long, a long deep dive into this shit. So, people, <laughs> I think people will too. If they don't, if they don't, they can turn it off. But <laughs> you can skip forward. Yeah, man. Well, uh, that's that's super cool, man. I I I really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, yeah, it's, I, mean, I, it's I feel like we can, I'd love to know more about uh, a lot of the stuff you do. But you know, maybe we'll we'll extend this conversation yeah, I, at a later date. Um, yeah, well, I gotta we we gotta get to Germany anyway, so like you know maybe I'll yeah exactly. Well, how are you in? I'm in Cologne, so oh, it's I not, love in Cologne. I love Cologne. Yeah, it's not far from it's not far from the Netherlands. Um, I'll look at the dates again and see if there's any way. I, I mean, it's I a know. it's a week from today. It's Friday. So yeah, if there's, there's any way you're on the list, man. If you can do it, I'll put you okay. on the list. No problem. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I'll see. I'll see if I can, <laughs> see if I can make something happen. It's kind of like if not, no, like, no, no worries, no pressure. I'd love, I know we're no, no I'd love to. Coming. I'd really love to. I'd really. But love we gotta to. like we gotta get to Cologne like probably next year sometime. Like we have to play Germany. Like we we have like we always play Germany. Like, yeah, we I'm have sure you guys have tons Germany. of fans. I mean, I mean, Cologne is one thing. I mean, Cologne is one thing, but I figure you guys must have crazy fans in Berlin. I mean, Berlin's a big city. Berlin and Hamburg. Yeah. We did a whole tour of just Germany once. We yeah. played in Cologne, we played in Erfurt, we played in Nuremberg, we played in Leipzig. Hip-hop is really big here. Yeah, it's it fucking always fun. Yeah. Love it. I haven't gotten any raptures. I, I was going to go see Key Glock. I was thinking about going to see Key Glock because he was playing not far away. Oh, but I didn't because I... It's just a travel and money issue, but I should I yeah. should start I should start p- paying more attention to like rappers that are coming through Cologne and yeah, rap shows are like yeah, live rap is so weird because it's like I either like like the best like oh they're you know the most technical and like the most put together show or I like the most disastrous show like Mozzie shows are like 
there's 40 dudes all in red on stage. Yeah. They're just playing the song yeah. with the vocals and everything. You can't yeah. tell whose verse it is. Yeah. Everyone's just like filming the audience and rolling yeah. blunts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like exactly. Chaos. Yeah, and I yeah, love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, I, I have seen some... It seems like people really like to do the just playback and kind of say the last like word of every verse and or or the first you know and then i don't yeah, know yeah. i did just see kendrick lamar in paris uh kendrick is like I, also just like wow it's like perfect his shows are just unbelievable dude it was insane like, he he it was it, it was unreal i didn't see this tour i wish i had it was amazing. i saw the, saw the previous one and it was fucking incredible it was phenomenal. I mean, he's, he's he's unquestionably, I mean, he's in my top five favorite rappers forever. I mean, Absolutely. he's good kid. Mad, good kid. Mad city is one of the most important albums to me that's ever come out in my lifetime. It's yeah. like that and purple rain by Prince are my two favorite albums since yeah. I've been born. <laughs> yeah, no, he's huge. He's super, super important. He's, I mean, he's, God, he's just so good. It's just, yeah. he's just, it's impossible. He's just like, fuck, how are you this good? It's, yeah. But that was a show. I mean, that was a show where, you know, no backing, very, very little backing tracks. And he was really vocally yeah. delivering the entire show and running his ass off and doing everything. And then, actually, coincidentally, when we, we, we bought tickets to the show, it was for our honeymoon like six months ago or whatever. And it got oh, announced. Congratulations. Thank you. And it was like, oh, we're going to go. And then, like, we're going to go to Paris and, like, see him see him there and then like a week beforehand he was like and i've decided i'm gonna stream this show on amazon or whatever and so it's actually i haven't we haven't looked at it but like there were like crazy camera crews oh, like shit. getting around the so entire time that i was at I that was one gonna... that, yeah watch it we were there i mean it was amazing <laughs> nice we've got to download it before before it like disappears and just hold on yeah, to it like a memento you know because it was it was, it was, so... it was incredible It'll never actually go away, so you'll always be able to bootleg it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool, man. Well, um, let's keep in touch, and uh, yeah, I will talk cool. to you soon. Thank you so much for, for yeah, taking man, the time. Yeah, this is And uh, we'll take care, and we'll talk soon. All right. Later. All right, bye. Thank you for tuning in to White Sandy Noise Podcast. That was William Hudson of Clipping, Rail, and Tattered Syntax. Head over to patreon.com slash white noise now to support the show and see more.